So Murphy wants Raven to fix the helmet, but it's really smashed. And so Raven's like, I'm not a miracle worker. And Amori goes, I beg to differ. Keep it in your pants, Amori. Like your <laughs> boyfriend is right here. What is going on here? Hello and welcome to Hour the Hundred podcast brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 25-year-old actor and drama instructor. I like rooting anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And our fun fact for this episode is what would you have in your rec room? Um, and I think definitely I would want a foosball table. Nice. Big fan of foosball. For sure, for sure. Um, and also, uh, when I was a kid, um, I didn't personally have, like, a big console to play video games on. Like, it was, mm-hmm. I was Game Boy only, basically. Mm. But one of my friends had, I'm not really sure exactly which console it was, but she had Mario Party. Yeah. And she had a bunch of siblings, and so whenever I would go over to her house, we would all play Mario Party. Mm, nice. And... Like, I still think about that. <laughs> so I would I would definitely have, like, Mario Party. Yeah. Also. I feel like I'm definitely, like, overlooking something else that later I'm going to be like, oh, crap, I should have added that to my, like, I don't know, mini fridge? I don't, there, there's going to be something. I'll bring it up later, I guess. <laughs> I, I'm like, I feel like I'm missing something, but. Yeah. For sure. And my name is Samantha Coley. I'm a 27-year-old marketing coordinator and television critic. I'm a senior writer and the social media specialist at Telltale TV. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at Sam Casey's where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. If I had a rec room, it would be like one-third arcade with an air hockey table and skee-ball and like classic arcade games like Pac-Man and Galaga Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and Super Mario. And then in the middle, I would have like this giant like couch bed where there's like a huge TV on the opposite wall and every gaming console is Mm. available because they have like some games are exclusively Xbox, some games are exclusively PS4 and I I want them all. Mm -hmm. So I would have that there. And then on the other, the, the final third would be like a bar kitchen area where I have like unlimited snacks and food forever. Cool. Yeah. I want this to be real now. Can we be real? <laughs> Today we have words to say about episode 714 of The 100, A Sort of Homecoming. For the title, I guess it's just A Sort of Homecoming. Um. <laughs> <laughs> like, I get what the... I, <laughs> the, the title uh, really reflects the apathy of the episode because it's like, it's sort of a homecoming. It's interesting <laughs> that like, they seem to have episodes in which it's like... Uh, action, action, and then one episode that's just, like, a bunch of one-on-one conversations. Like, it felt like The Stranger was kind of like that, Mm -hmm. um, where it was literally just, like, a series of one-on-one conversations, and I'm like, why don't we pepper these conversations in with the action episodes, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, we have this segment in our Riverdale podcast, and I think we used to do it for this podcast, too, but we decided to, um, retire it for the 100 podcast, uh, for this season because we did didn't want every single episode to be a boot, but mm-hmm. um, we had the segment called Toot and Boot or Tutor Boot, and um, we took it from the uh, fashion photo reviews from RuPaul's Drag Race. And basically, you say toot, which means that you liked it, or boot, which means that you didn't like it. And there's like a whole thing, so it's like from best to worst, it goes shoot, toot, newt, boot, scoot. Um, and I just like I didn't want to spend the whole season going boot. Boot, scoot, newt, boot, scoot. When I want to be tooting, when I want to be doing the toots. So I've been thinking about like this this episode, and I was like, I feel like if we were doing toot and boot, 
I would like probably feel obligated to give this episode a toot because I feel like I kind of like liked it more than other episodes this season. But if it was like a set toot thing, like I would say my favorite episode this season was Welcome to Bardo. Mm-hmm. So if I was like, Welcome to Bardo is the toot, <laughs> is the, uh, the top tier toot. The top tier toot of the season. Was it a shoot? No, but it was a toot, right? (laughs) And so I don't think that I could even toot this episode because I didn't think it was better than Welcome to Bardo. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So it's like, I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about that where it's like, oh, this episode I liked. And I was like, but was it a toot? No, Mm -hmm. I don't know. There were a lot of things that I did like about this episode and a lot of things where I was like, okay, sure. (laughs) So I guess we'll talk about that later. Fine. Yeah. Um, so I think we're going to move on to thoughts from listeners real quick. Woo. I love our listeners. I love them too. You guys are all very nice to us. Um, I always get worried that eventually someone's like not going to be nice to us, but everyone's been really nice to us so far. So we appreciate that. Um, so we got a couple of SoundCloud comments. Um, a couple of them are from my mom, who is at DC Jeffrey on Twitter. Um, and she said, it's interesting to think about Shade Hedda and the antitoxin. You think he would see something, but then Murphy was immune to it, which then makes you wonder why he was sucking back antitoxin at Riker's Keep. So perhaps Shade Hedda could be immune to it as well. But to ponder it a little, not that the writers probably ever did, it shows your first, your worst fears and deepest desires. I'm not sure he has a lot of fears, and basically he's living out his deepest desires. He just wants power. So him trying to manipulate Indra's actions is just him doing what he always does, whether under the influence or not. Mm. Yeah. Um, and she also said, I was looking at screenshots today because why not torture myself more? But there was also <laughs> an, there was an overlay of a chessboard in the anomaly shot. So someone who knows more about chess than me needs to dissect that. But it makes me wonder if they were alluding to the knight being sacrificed for the queen. Or is there a move where it is thought that the knight is sacrificed by the queen? No idea. But it feels like one small thing that they could have actually thought about that. Yeah, I didn't notice the um, chessboard, but it feels like if they put it in there, maybe it means something. But then again, chess has just kind of been a like a running theme throughout the... That the season. And we also got another comment from Elaine Lott, and he has told us this multiple times this <laughs> season, and we just don't listen. Um, but he said, this literally does not matter and no one cares, but I still feel like pointing out that it was introduced in 613 that the ship's computer can remotely access the mind drives that are on the ships, on the ship, like Russell's. Okay. I'm so glad, like, I'm glad that they said that. In the episode, it's weird to me that they said it in the finale. So they were like, we literally need to bring this up so that it makes sense for next season or whatever. (laughs) Like, I I appreciate the fact that they did, like, say it before Mm -hmm. it happened or whatever. I still don't think it's smart. And I think that it's dumb still, though. Like, I still think it was a weird decision that doesn't really make a lot of sense. I'm glad. Thank you for reminding us, though, because we, I do genuinely forget every single time. Yeah, I'm very grateful that it was, uh at least mentioned. I just think that sometimes this show invents things like that and things like the the yeet pill um, in this episode mm-hmm. just to, like, explain away things that are um, happening. Yeah. And it's just like, well, we need, we need this to happen for this reason because we want this to happen. Yeah. And then they're like, okay, so... Here's something we just made up that will let us do that. And, this, like, and this episode is filled with those. We've got these magic pills and all that just like show up out of nowhere. Um, and then we also have like this thing that happens at the very, very end. And I haven't done my summary yet, so I don't want to spoil anybody. But um, like there's this thing that happens at the end that like clearly just like just needs to happen. So there's a conflict next episode. And it's like, I wish that these pills had been brought up earlier you know what I mean? Like, it, it feels like when mm-hmm. they need something to happen, they bring it up in the moment instead of being like, we need this to happen five episodes in the future. Let's bring it up now. If this pill was a thing that they had thought of before now, 
they wouldn't have had Hope stab Octavia in the season finale. Yeah. They would have had her, like, just give her the pill. Give her the pill. And, of course, we're bringing back also that knife thing, which I fully forgot about. Right. Um, so it's like, okay, well, I mean, I guess you did that, so thanks. Sure. <laughs> um, moving on to Twitter, we got a tweet from our friend Joanna, who is at Veridissima, and she said, um, this is uh, in response to AJ's theory about the names and how they're maybe they only have one name. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, with no families, it makes sense that they would give away with last names, but I'm also wondering if that's something Bill thought about before, because Grounder Society, created by his kids, also uses no last names. They just use clan names. Oh, yeah, that's true. So I thought that was interesting. Um, Maybe they both did it as a way to separate themselves from their families. Yeah. Because, like, if Callie started... She doesn't want to be a Cadigan. Yeah, she doesn't want to be a Cadigan, and he doesn't want to remember them, then it's a way to distance themselves from what they once were. Yeah. Also, um, I was re-listening to the um, the podcast mm-hmm. today, because I, I say this every time, but I like to re-listen to our podcast after I've seen the new episode. Um, and you were, like, trying to explain to me how some people have last names as first names. So, like, if your, la- your first name is a last name, so if your right. first name is Smith, right? You were yes. trying to tell me about that. I don't know why I was not <laughs> computing with what you were saying. My last name is a first name! <laughs> My last name is a first name. Yeah. My name, Robin Elizabeth Jeffrey, is first name, first name, first name. I'm a triple first name and I didn't, I couldn't confuse. <laughs> I was like, huh? Whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the other thing that I was thinking about is the fact that, like, I brought up how all of my favorite line awards were, like, just Bellamy, Murphy saying that Bellamy looked stupid. Um, <laughs> and then I was also like, oh my god, Murphy told Bellamy that he looks good. So I thought it was, I, it was funny, and I didn't bring it up last episode because I didn't even think of it, that Murphy's like, hey Bellamy, you look great, and then turns around and says to like several different people, why does Bellamy look so stupid? <laughs> I thought it was nice that he said it, he looked nice to his face, but I thought that was pretty funny. It's because he's both uh, gay and also gay because he's like, I'm into you, Bellamy. Um, and then he's like, oh my god, why does he look so dumb? Oh my god. Mm, who let him wear this? <laughs> we also got a couple of um, tweets from Selena, who is at Selena Hypable. If you guys haven't checked out Selena's reviews of The 100, I think, how many seasons has she done this for? She like, all of her articles are always so, so well-spoken. Yeah. So you should definitely check those out. Um, but she sent us a couple of tweets um, in regards to another one of our listener emails. Um, she said, one day, if you're up for it, I'd love to hear your take on the difference between what we might want for characters in general versus what feels right for individual characters. It's something I've thought about a lot regarding Clark, because like Robin, I always preferred for her to be romantically unattached because I didn't want the main female character to be. But in analyzing the character beyond their shallow X value, I really get the impression that Clark the human being doesn't actually fit with what I was trying to project onto her, that she clearly wanted and has sought romance, and that the text has been hurting her by denying it, not strengthening or empowering her specifically. Mm-hmm. Saying she should be or do something just because she's the main female character, even though it doesn't fit her femininity, is weirdly dehumanizing and demeaning, even though she isn't real and does exist to project certain values to an extent. Anyway, it's interesting because it's valid to talk about characters in terms of values we impose on them, but at some point we have to consider their individualism as characters within a world that's real for them. I don't think there's a right or wrong way to approach it, just nuance. So Absolutely. If that is any indication of how you should totally list, like go and check out 
Selena's article, she's always so well-spoken. And she always says exactly what, like, you're thinking, but you can't put it into words. I know, I'm like, like, how do I, she's like, hey, can you guys add to this? And I'm like, girl, you did it. Like, (laughs) I I don't know what else to add. I guess that, like, I I agree. I think um, that you're right. There is no right or wrong way to do it because either way you're like, well, this is what Clark would want. And this is what it, like, her doing blank says to the audience and shows to the audience. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, you know, it's, it, this kind of reminds me of, I don't know if it reminds me of, but another example that I could think of was um, Monty. So I, if you guys listen to um, our season three podcasts with The Giantist, um, if you're an OG, that's pretty cool. Um, but if you're not, that's okay. Unfortunately, all of those podcasts are lost to the ether, which is why we are going to be redoing season three. Um, but it kind of reminded me because... Before Monty and Harper happened, I had a segment called Asexual Monty, question mark, question mark, question mark. And every episode I would say if, you know, Monty could still be asexual um, because I considered him really great representation um, for me. And he meant a lot to me because he had never really like, I think like at that point in the series, the only two male characters who hadn't shown any interest in women were Monty and Miller, which is why people like put them together mm-hmm. for a while, which was what... what or minty. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so, I mean, obviously at this point, Miller has, is now with Jackson and then Monty eventually got with Harper. Um, But that one episode where Monty went from my main um, representation to having not even like been like, oh, Harper, I have a crush on you, but have had, like, had sex with Harper. Like, that happened in one episode, and it was the beginning of the episode, and I was crushed, dude. I was crushed. And so this kind of, um, what Selena was saying reminds me of this, because I want Monty to be ace, because it means a lot to me, and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, he acts that way, and he, I saw a lot of myself in him at the time. And so I wanted that for him. And yet... Um, with the desexualization of Asian men, it's like important for the show to show that um, Monty is still desirable because you know that's something that like is a, the, it's the, a problem. It's a problem, media. and they're saying it right. And so you know, from my perspective, I'm like, okay, but I didn't want that, you know. <laughs> so I'm upset or whatever. So that kind of reminds me of of that. But if you guys want us to go more in depth about this, or if you can think of an example, I mean, I was just. Thinking about expanding on what she said about Clark, because Mm -hmm. I had a similar, like, feeling, especially after Alexa died, I guess, that I always thought Clark would end up alone at the end. But, like, over the course of the show, I also have a huge problem with how the show punishes Clark for Mm -hmm. being in love. And it hurts her, and it hurts the show, and it hurts the characterization. And, um, like, the show would have just been better if they had, like let her have somebody. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. Yeah. Either, Yeah. But um, if you guys want us to go a little bit more in depth on this, or if there's anything that you guys um, think that we've brought up earlier this season and you'd like us to continue on with, um, if we get enough, I think that maybe after the season is over, we can always like go in and do maybe a half an hour long podcast talking about more things that you guys want us to go in depth on. Cause that's one of the criticisms that we've gotten is that sometimes mm-hmm. we like get started on something and we don't keep going. Um, because we, we just need to move on. Mm-hmm. So if there's anything that you guys want to hear us talk about more, um, 
let us know and maybe we'll maybe we'll do a, a short podcast after the season is over. Yeah, totally. Um, just let us know. And then we also got an email from Rhonda and she said that she really hopes that this isn't all someone's nightmare. At this point, I'm like, I'm fine with it if, it's, <laughs> if Clark wakes up in that cell and it was all a nightmare. Yeah. Because this is a nightmare. Yeah. It's like, I, every time I'm like, well, they're not that stupid. They're not going to do it. And then they do it, you know? So I'm like... Making the entire series It Was All Just a Dream is literally like a stereotypical thing that you do not do and that is lazy and terrible, you know? And so I'm like, they're not stupid enough to make it all a dream. But I don't know. I don't know that they're not stupid enough to make it all a dream. And that's partially the reason why a lot of people really dislike the end of Lost because they think that they were dead the whole time. Hi, I'm here to tell you that they were not dead the whole time. The people who say that they're dead the whole time are, um misinformed (laughs) (laughs) incorrect and just didn't listen because to be honest five minutes before the finale ends a character says this is real everything that happened to you is real everything that happened on the island is real it's all real and it all happened to you and everyone watched that and went oh so they were dead the whole time so that wasn't real (laughs) no um anyway the last finale is perfect and uh i'm I'm gonna stand by that anyway those are our thoughts from listeners so we're going to get started on the actual podcast um and once again this episode wasn't really um split into storylines so i'm just gonna be summarizing the whole thing right now yeah robin i just want to say thank you for your service in doing these summaries Mm -hmm. uh I could not physically do it, yeah. and uh, you managed to make it funny every time, and uh, I value you for so- that. Sometimes I'm, like, not even trying to be funny. Like, I'm literally just pointing out the dumb things that are happening, but I appreciate you, and I appreciated that one time that you did them, that you did it for me, because that was a lot of what it was. It was the Anaconda episode, and yikes, that was just so much work. I couldn't, I couldn't have done it. Um, all right, so here is the episode. It's called A Sort of Homecoming, and this is it. <laughs> We start the episode with Clark crying while traveling through the anomaly. She finds herself back in the bunker with the other people who just got sent through. Cadigan immediately bounces by taking an inexplicable pill that just transports him back to Bardo. How convenient. No one really cares, though, for some reason. Gaia shows up and explains how she got here. They head upstairs to see everyone else, and they have lovely reunions all around. Standout reunion, Miller and Jackson, actually. Uh, Echo notices that Bellamy isn't here, and Clark reveals that he's dead and that she's the one who killed him. Everyone is really confused, and so Clark gives her, like, weird reasoning. Octavia forgives Clark just like that, and so does Echo. Okay, sure. They all cry together about losing Bellamy, and he's hardly brought up again for the rest of the episode. They all head back down except for Octavia and discuss what resources they have. Turns out, not a lot. Murphy wants to go back to Sanctum and grab some stuff and bring some people back, but there isn't a stone. Raven checks the helmet, and there is one, but it's a hundred feet straight down. A hundred feet. Ha, ha. (laughs) They're formulating a plan, but Clark grabs the helmet and smashes it. Earth is their home, and they're staying. Back on Bardo, Shaheda is an MCAP. The disciples brought him back and healed him. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Cadigan asks about the drawings, and they talk about Transcendence and the Last War and what else is new. They need to bring Maddie to the MCAP, and Shaheda offers to do it. In the bunker, Jackson and Miller chill in bed. Miller's sad about Bellamy, and they all and they talk about Dad Miller and what he would do if he were he, if he were here. We go to Nyla's rec room, where she has a bunch of alcohol she offers around, and Gabriel tunes, tunes the piano. Echo is tired, so she leaves, and Jordan offers Hope the alcohol. They have a moment. Maddie confronts Clark about killing people in her name. She has friends that were left behind on Sanctum, and she's the only kid again with no friends. 
Raven turns on the lights and Murphy convinces her to try and fix the helmet. Indra goes outside to visit with Octavia. Indra won't go back if she doesn't. She takes half the responsibility for the monstrosities that happened there and they go back in together. Gaia apologizes to Indra for not being a warrior like Octavia. The anomaly opens but no one comes through? It's Jane Hedda in ghost mode and he's gonna follow everyone everywhere while they go look around looking for Maddie. Meanwhile, she's in the rec room with Jordan and Hope who are dancing to Gabriel playing the piano. Hope feels weird so she leaves and Jordan follows. Gabriel offers to teach Maddie how to play. Nyla joins Echo in her room. She reveals her real name to Nyla and regrets not ever telling Bellamy. Nyla says she was named for Queen Naya. Her mother was Asgeta, which is nice, but why are we saying this three episodes from the end of the series? Imori and Raven work on the helmet and Murphy hears Hope crying outside. He tries to comfort her, but Jordan interrupts to relate to her some more. They're gonna keep dancing, but Clark and Octavia show up looking for Maddie. They say that Maddie's in the rec room and Shade had to lock them in and runs to the rec room, which he apparently knows the location of. <laughs> God. Shade had a stab Gabriel as he's teaching piano and attacks Maddie. Um, he can take her back through the pills or through the magic knife. He's gonna stab her, but Gabriel tackles him and gives her enough time to get away. Unfortunately, he gets stabbed several more times in the process. Maddie runs to Gaia and Indra. They fight Shade Hedda, but before he can get killed, he stabs himself with a magic knife and bounces. They head back to Gabriel. They're gonna treat him and help save his life, but he's ready to go. They recite the Traveler's Blessing and he dies. Maddie wants to go to Bardo, so she goes to the Rotunda and stabs herself with the magic knife. The anomaly opens and a bomb comes through. Miller saves everyone else from dying, but now the bunker is collapsing. Also, can I just say, why does the knife stay? I know, like, it just, like, did it, did it, I don't think it stayed when Octavia got right. stabbed, right? No. Okay. Because they could have just stabbed themselves to go after her. Oh, okay. Yeah, why didn't Clark pick it up and just go bonk? Okay. So we start with Clark's little spinny cry thing. She's like going through the anomaly and she's crying and it's like all green behind her and the camera's just like spinning around doing 360s behind her. It looks ridiculous. It looks just ridiculous. Who did that and why? Stop it. Um, this scene was the, um, sneak peek of the episode and, um, everyone's like, oh my God, Clark, what's wrong? And the subject has changed. So I thought, oh my God, Clark's actually not going to tell them. Cause I kind of thought that she wasn't going to tell them at all. Mm -hmm. So Cadigan is like, this place is perfect for you. Um, and he also spent a bunch of years here. What, what does he mean by this place is perfect for you? What, like, what did you interpret that as? Is that before or after Jackson says hell? After Jackson says hell. I think that's why. So he says, you guys deserve... To be in hell, I yep. guess. Yep. And he's like, but not me, bye! Yeet! So, uh, okay, I have a question. What is this weird fabric he's always holding? I didn't notice until last episode, but he has it here, and then he has it when he's, like, in the MCAP with Shade Head Out. Like, I'm wondering if it's some sort of, like, religious thing that I just don't know anything about. Like, if people hold the, that sort of thing, and I don't, like, I just don't know anything about it. Well, if it is, they haven't taken any time to explain it, and they've culturally appropriated something else then mm -hmm. that they just didn't explain, Yeah, and uh, it looks weird and dumb now, so it's, like, it, probably insulting. If this was realistic, which, let's be honest, it's not. It is, <laughs> it is a sci-fi show. If Cadigan wanted to just bounce and not tell anybody about it, he would just take the pill and leave, you know? But instead he says, this is a nano-tracking program. And then he takes it. And I'm like, okay, thanks for the explanation. Thank you for telling us. Uh, telling and not showing, thanks. Neato. Mm -hmm. So what was the point of even bringing him then? Like, why did he come? Why Ultimately, like... Because, like, why didn't he just send them all through and, like... Then he and Clark argue at the end or whatever. Okay, what? Whatever. Ultimately, like, it just, 
extra sucks because someone on Twitter pointed out that um, two episodes ago, Nelson died, last episode, Bellamy died, and this episode, Gabriel died. And that's three episodes in a row in which men of color have been murdered. Um, so I don't love that. Um, and like, and like, not even just like they died. Mm-hmm. They were all murdered. Murdered. I, like, are you alive right now? Have you been paying attention to anything in the world? <laughs> hmm? <laughs> I, <laughs> I, uh, like, um, the problem is that ultimately, um, like, Bellamy died to save Maddie because, like, not, like, he didn't do it on purpose, but Clark mm-hmm. killed him to save Maddie. Sure. Gabriel died protecting Maddie. Mm-hmm. And at the end of this episode, Maddie ends up on Bardo anyway. Yeah. Well, she she ends up there because they they killed them both to make Maddie willing to go. Exactly. Yeah. I, I have thoughts on this when we get there, but I'm going to say it right now. It's really interesting, actually. This is probably one of my favorite... I wouldn't say my favorite things about the episode because I really dislike Shade Hedda. Um, but one of the cool details that I actually noticed about the episode um, was that when Shade Hedda offers to be the one to go get Maddie, he says, I know her better than than she knows herself. Mm-hmm. And so he goes there and he leaves behind the pills. He tells her about the pills. He tells her about the knife. He leaves the pills mm-hmm. behind and he's fine just like leaving because he knows that the pills are there and the knife is there and Maddie is going to do choice. it. Maddie's going to do it. She is going to make the choice to get to go to Bardo. Yeah. Damn. So that's one of my favorite. I was like, okay, I see you here. Like, this is good. I like yeah. that. Don't like everything, but that was good. I yeah, think. that's a good, that's a great point. I didn't even realize. Mm-hmm. Not sure why these pills are only being brought up now just because they're convenient, I guess. Um, Gaia comes down to bring them up. I don't know if she like was hanging out in, in the bunker or if she like heard them and like she was upstairs and then she heard them or whatever, but she shows up. None of the others are here. So they're just like not worried. They're like, Gaia, can you go and like answer the door or whatever? (laughs) Um, so Gaia's like, hello, mother. And Indra goes and I quote, Gaia, (laughs) which is one of my favorite line reads, um, just in in general of all time. I agree. Gaia, It was great. I loved it. I loved it. Um, Maddie's really happy to see Gaia, which is really sweet. Um, and Gaia explains that when she came through with the dude, he had obviously turned off the stone. Um, and it turns out he was literally no one. And it didn't matter. We didn't even see his face. He didn't matter at all. I had a whole ass theory about how that was going to secretly be Bellamy and he wasn't. No, that guy meant nothing and was nothing. Uh, he was literally just to get Gaia out of the way, I guess. I, when you when you say that guy literally was nothing and meant nothing, I feel like you could apply it to any character because <laughs> nothing matters anymore. <laughs> and so he explained to her that when the bridge is closing and you go through, it defaults to the planetary origin of our DNA. So that kind of makes me think that, like, what was that guy's plan then? To go through, end up on Earth, and then, like, what, does he have the special life? Does he have the pills? Because if... Or did, would he have, would his helmet have worked and he would have just, like, gone down a hundred floors and pushed a button? Because that was, that one's off too, so I I just don't really understand what this guy's plan was. I, he, he didn't have one. I don't know. He only, so. he, the, his entire purpose was to explain where Gaia was and whatever was happening to Gaia was irrelevant because she's been here for five minutes. And one of the most ridiculous moments in the entire episode, in my opinion, is Gaia saying, 
While we were fighting, he wouldn't stop giving me exposition. <laughs> that I can now say to you. You're welcome. In what world is a man trying to literally kill you and just spouts information to you? And just explaining how you got here. First of all, why would he tell you? Second of all, he's kind of focused on something else. Third of all, why is he telling you? Because he thinks he's just immediately about to kill you. So what's the point of telling you anything? Right. you're going to die. Yeah. That was ridiculous to me. Yeah. I was like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Um, it, it made no sense. Then he says for all that he's going to kill her for all mankind. And she says, I'm no man, which first of all is a great line. And sure. it's also a Lord of the Rings reference, um, uh, which is great. Probably. I mean, I've only seen the Lord of the Rings movies once, but one of my favorite moments. It is one of the greatest Lord of the Rings moments. Yeah. Of all time. Mm -hmm. And she reveals that she buried him outside. Um, and they're like, oh my god, Gaia, no one even knew you were missing until today. <laughs> and she's like, and oh. she's like, I'm like, aren't you hurt thanks. by this? And like, um, she says that she has only been here for a few days, which is about how long Clark has been gone on Sanctum time. Mm -hmm. So Earth and Sanctum are the same, but Bardo is still slightly faster. Um, she says that the others arrived this morning, but when Clark and Co. went to Sanctum and they showed up on Sanctum, it was night. So, okay. So they go out and it's like this super mossy, lush polis. I don't know how it could be this nice. Like it literally wasn't even this lush after the first apocalypse. So. Right. I, I, and, and it's already been like, it was 97 years since that happened. Yeah. When they went down. So uh, I, I don't know. Especially in polis because like it was city and then rubble mm -hmm. and then more rubble mm -hmm. and like burnt dirt. Yeah. So, okay, I, I could explain it away by believing that, like, that Monty's flowers had somehow survived the fire. Like, mm -hmm. if he had planted a flower or something, like, with his magic algae in the dirt on their way to Eden. Yeah, watch us not bring up the Eden tree. <laughs> God. Uh, yeah, but it it doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. um, I enjoyed the concept of a lush green polis because I liked that location. And uh, and then it gets blown up again, so yeah. nothing matters. So this scene was the script-to-screen scene, um, and they cut a bunch of lines from Octavia at the end, which like seemed really, really important, so I'm not really sure why those were cut. It was like her like kind of saying goodbye to Bellamy in her own way and saying, you go and play stay Odon and everything, so I don't really know why that was cut. But they also cut a couple of lines from Miller and Jackson here at the beginning, um, and instead they just had such an like calling Miller baby, which was really sweet, but that wasn't in the script. So I think Sachin added that himself, which I thought was really sweet. So I like I can't that. Be mad. Um, so a lot of hugs all around. I wrote them all down. Um, Octavia hugs Raven. Nyla hugs Maddie. Jordan hugs Murphy. Octavia hugs Imori. Well, Gabriel hugs Hope. So that one is fine. Imori hugs Echo. That's good. And then Echo's looking for Bellamy. I'm just a little confused about the Jordan hugging Murphy thing. Well, he was his favorite. That's true. Murphy's like, my guy, my biggest fan. <laughs> All right, fine. I'll allow it. My thing is the first two that you mentioned. Octavia hugs Raven, Nyla hugs Maddie. Yeah. Octavia and Raven like barely spent time together. Mm -hmm. Nyla and Maddie also doesn't make a lot of sense to me because like she, they spent zero time together. I mean, we don't know what happened when uh, Nyla and Maddie were both living at the farmhouse for literally one day. <laughs> Oh, all right. But that was like one day because it was like in between red sun toxins still. So like that wasn't a time jump. So yeah, Echo's looking for Bellamy. Um, and like literally no one cares that Cadigan just left. Like what? The, I can't remember what they needed him for. Like Getting, what, did, what did Clark want Cadigan for that she didn't want Bellamy? 
again? Like, what was what was the point of bringing Cadigan through? In the last episode? Yeah. I don't know. I, like, I can't remember what they needed him for. I guess just, like, to not well, have he, him on Sanctum anymore. He was going with them to get their friends, and then they were, I oh, right. guess, all going to go back to Bardo. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, all right, here are your friends. Bye. Okay. Oh, I understand. All right. Yeah. Still, I still think it'd be, <laughs> I just think it should be, have been brought up at least one more time. Um, Clark says that Bellamy is dead. Um, and Murphy says that he was fine when they left, so that doesn't really make any sense. And it sounds like he's saying, I'm a little confused, um, which is what it says on the subtitles. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the script, it says that Bellamy, <laughs> he was fine, but he was a little confused, which is way funnier <laughs> Which is way funnier than I'm confused. It's Bellamy was confused. A little confused. Mm-hmm. Um, but Clark interrupts that line, so you can't even really tell. But I thought it was really funny in the script, at least. She reveals that she's the one who killed him. I didn't really expect her to admit it, to be honest. I, but I agree. I fully did not. But I guess, like, I don't, I don't really know what her plan would have been if, like... I, I don't see her expecting Octavia and Echo to forgive her. You know what I mean? Like, like I wonder if she couldn't keep it to herself because, you know, it's something that she regretted so much that it just wasn't something that she could possibly have kept to herself. You know what I mean? Like, uh, but I'm also like, then immediately she like, is like, okay, well now I'm forgiven. Thank God. And then she like goes in like the next scene we have her in other than... I think they're, she like smashes the helmet or whatever. And then she like goes with Maddie and she's like, okay, I'm going to bed, Maddie. I'm tired. I don't want to talk to you right now. You know? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, well, whatever. You know, it wasn't a big deal like, <laughs> or anything. My thing is like, what, like if she hadn't been forgiven, cause there's no way she could possibly have like foreseen that they would just forgive her. Right. You know, like she says to Echo, uh, you can hate me cause I know I hate myself or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, what was the plan then? Like Echo and Octavia just like hate you and like, I just and you just live with that. I, Were you expecting I, them to like kill you? Yeah. Like what, what was what was the what was the end game here? So they're like, why? Also, like I'm just really annoyed at the fact that this is the first time we've even like really spent some real time with Clark all mm-hmm. season, and she's not even someone I like anymore. Yeah. Clark used to be like one of my favorite characters. And even if I didn't always agree with her decision, I like could understand her point of view. But this is bad and. I hate it. And, like, she, she's she's mean. And, an, like, I don't like her. And I that upsets me because I, lo- I used to love her. Like, even in her questionable moments, I was just like, yeah, I still love Clark. I can still see myself in Clark. And I'm like, yeah. I want to I wanna hit this Clark. Like, shut up. You're mean. Yeah. Like, when she's talking to Maddie and she's like, well, this is what I always do. I decide for everybody all the time because that's what I have to do as a person. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I know that you've had to do it in the past, but, like, just stop for a dollar. <laughs> I, so one of my other favorite line reads, other than Gaia, is, um, Echo going, Clark's like, I killed Bellamy. And Echo's like, why? <laughs> Honestly, my reaction would have been the same. Yeah. Um, and so she gives her, like, her, her reason and, you know, not even intentionally or whatever, but she kind of puts it on Maddie. Like, when she talked about the sketchbook, like, it flips to Maddie's face and, you know, Maddie, of course, is thinking, oh, if I hadn't drawn those things, if I hadn't done this, then Bellamy would still be alive. You know, mm-hmm. like she's putting it on Maddie. For sure. Um, she says, oh, I had to do it. I tried everything. No, no. That's I not didn't. true. I don't no. think you did. Um, so Octavia goes and just hugs her. And I just, I don't believe that at all. Like, I know they're trying to tell me that Octavia is 
different now because she spent 10 years raising hope and she understands but other people. Octavia's and- a grudge holder and this is the ultimate yeah. thing, you know? Like, maybe she's not a grudge holder now because, like, uh, like growth and, like, maturity yeah. and, like, But, like, this is the ultimate person. thing. Like, this is the ultimate betrayal. Yeah. And she's like, it's okay, I understand. No, 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 no. <laughs> like, um, oh, yeah, the old Bellamy would understand. I mean, Octavia went on a like, four-season-long arc of becoming a, like, revenge-bent, angry person when Lincoln died. And you're gonna tell me she's just fine with her brother being dead? The one person who means the most in the world to her besides, I guess, Hope now? Mm-hmm. Huh? Also, while we're on the subject, Octavia and Hope finally have, like, five minutes to spend any time together since they got separated when... Yeah. Hope was like 10. Mm-hmm. And Hope spends all her time with Jordan. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> okay, listen. I'm we're going to talk about Hope and Jordan later. I'm I'm sorry for making a puking sound. Um the only reason why I made the puking sound was because I think that she should be hanging out with Octavia instead of Jordan. Yeah. Um but I wasn't as mad about Hope and Jordan as I thought I would be, so we can talk about that when we start talking about them. But I want to talk about we're still on the freaking apology <laughs> apology scene, which is one of the biggest scenes in the episode. And um, so while this is all happening, obviously we have to mostly be on Clark, Echo, and Octavia. But we're also getting clips of everybody else who's there, right? And I know that I'm biased. Like, I know that I'm biased in many ways. Murphy's my favorite character and Murphy me was my ship. Mm-hmm. So I know I'm biased. But we get a lovely moment between Raven and Amori, right? You know, they're together. They're hugging each other. They're really sad. It's really beautiful. You know, obviously Echo's really upset. Um, But we don't get a shot of Murphy until, like, like he says, what, Clark? I'm confused or whatever, right? And then we don't get a shot of Murphy again until, like, the end of the scene in which we get, like, that beautiful one tear. And I obviously, like... I I started crying immediately because I was like, like I, once again, like now I'm, I I'm biased. Talk. Well, I'm biased, right? And I'm like, obviously really sad about Murphy well, being sad about Bellamy, but. Yeah, also like you're, you connect the most to Murphy yeah. in like this group of people. So of course you're going to cry when he cries. My, th- my thing is that like, I know that I'm biased, <laughs> but Murphy is the only other member of space crew here. And you're giving me shots of every other member of Space Crew except for Murphy. And you're giving me more shots of Gabriel and Hope. Then you're giving me of Murphy, Murphy. who spent six years with with them. Gabriel and Hope, like, Hope met met Bellamy once? And Gabriel hung out with Bellamy, like, uh, like, for like a day? Like, I don't know. That made me really upset. I think through the entire scene, I was like, okay, but where's Murphy? Where's Murphy, though? Where's Murphy? Because I know that Richard's doing the work, and I'm not seeing mm-hmm. the work, and I'm upset. Yep. <laughs> I want to see the work. Yep. And I'm biased, but I still wanted to see yeah, the work. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's fair. It. You should, even even with your bias, it makes more sense to show him. Mm-hmm. Like, they've been a unit yeah. in some form Stop. since the pilot. Don't get, don't get me started. So, like, you're really going to tell me Murphy doesn't care? Shut up. <laughs> How many times are we going to say shut up on this episode? Shut up. So then Clark's like, Echo, are you mad at me? Because it's okay if you are. Or whatever. And Echo goes, you know what? We lost him a long time ago. And I'm like, Echo, I don't know how to tell you this. Like, it was a long time for us. It was like a month, month and a half for us. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but for Echo, it's been uh, two days. 
We lost him two days ago. A long... Okay. But, well, like, it... That's it. That doesn't make sense. So then she... Well, she's... I guess she's saying, like, when she thought he died, or when they got separated... Like what do you mean? Like, what? When did you lose him? Then you like, mean like which time do you, which time? Three are you months ago about? when you thought he was actually dead. Five years ago before that. Then when you just like didn't like because that's not we lost him. That's you lost him. Yeah, because you genuinely, literally could not find him. <laughs> so she says that he wanted everything to make sense. He wanted all of the killing and all of the violence that has happened to make sense. But actually, it's just he didn't want it all to be meaningless. Echo literally says, all the violence and the killing that we've done is actually meaningless. She said that. Yeah. And she says his belief in Cadigan killed him, not Clark. Okay. But also Clark, because she's the one who shot him. (laughs) So then we get this lovely single tear from Murphy. And as much as I love Imori and Raven, um, like I would prefer a Murphy and then Imori Raven endgame. And I think there's a lot of Imori Raven content this episode (laughs) that we may have, we may have overlooked. Um, but Amori's, like, hanging out with Raven and not Murphy. Which is, like, oh. fine with me because I, I'm here for yeah Raven and Amori. Hmm. It's just weird. Yeah. So they start talking about, like, the resources that they have. They're like, no one wants to live here, like, in the bunker, but it's a good spot for living. So that's kind of where we are right now. Um, they talk about the hydro farm and that whole level was destroyed in the fire. So thanks so much, Octavia. Um, <laughs> Miller still calls her Bloodrena. Which I guess is just, like, a thing that he has to do once he's in the bunker. He just, like, I don't know, it's a, just a habit, yeah. I guess. Um, Octavia refuses to come in, and they say that their food is just whatever animals are around. Apparently a bunch of animals survived. She said insects and birds they both hear, so. How would they have, so- I don't, I don't know. Um, they like, don't. <laughs> do they just, do they just reappear? <laughs> they just come back they when the respawn. plants come back? They just drop from the sky, like, yeah. ah, Hello. <laughs> Like in Jumanji. <laughs> so there's, they don't have any power or hot water. So Murphy's like, okay, I'm out. Um, uh, but they can't leave because there is no stone here. They're like, we, we looked for it using our helmets. And Nyla's like, we lived here for six years and we just full on didn't find it. So like, it's definitely not here. Oh, also, we forgot to mention Jessica Harmon directed this episode. Um, I think she did a really good job. I, I think that the role of a um, television director is for you not to notice that there was a director change. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the re- like you're trying to make it seem like everything else. Mm-hmm. So I think she did a really good job because oh, yeah. if I hadn't known, I wouldn't have noticed. Yeah. That she was the director, which is good because you want it to flow smoothly throughout the series. So I think she did a really good job. She did a she did a great job. So Raven looks in her helmet and or or no, the the guy's no, the guy's helmet? No, that one's broken. No. Which helmet does she use? She No, she looks in the helmet before Clark smashes it. And it's not broken yet. Clark smashes it. But didn't Gaia smash the other guy's helmet? Like, when she killed him? I guess she, like, they make it look like she's swinging yeah. at him. But I guess they're making it that she, like, stabbed him in the, in the I heart. thought I thought it looked like there was a giant, the like, thing in the helmet. But what, it doesn't matter. And whatever. Either way, the ball is... 100 feet straight down. And so I was like, oh, did Cadigan have like a special room built all the way down there so that no one could find it? Or like, I was wondering if like it collapsed or something and they were going to have to like dig to get to the ball or something. Mm-hmm. Like I, I wasn't really sure exactly what they meant by it's 100 feet straight down. Is it still in the bunker in that room? Because I assume it's still in that room, but I'm like, but is it well, no, possible to get to it? Nyla's rec room is what that room was, is it not? No, I don't think so. Wasn't Nyla's rec room, like, a thing that people, like, went to? Like, it sounded like... Well, they, she was... they've never shown it before. 
No, they've definitely never shown it before. I'm So I'm saying I thought it was implied that that was the room that Cadigan, like, had kept for himself. And where we saw the stone before. I didn't think that it looked structurally similar. I thought it did. Oh, okay. Well, either way, the ball is not there. So, and Nyla would have found it if it was there. Hey guys, so we went back to look at Anaconda and we found that Nyla's rec room and the sort of like office space of Cadigan um, in Anaconda is the same room. You know, there's a piano there, um, the chairs are the same, so it's definitely the same room. Um, the question now is, where is the stone and how did it get 100 feet down. Um, I guess I was thinking, you know, if they're on the first level and Octavia says, like, they've already checked three levels later in the episode, This she says, we've already checked three levels and there's four more levels to go, so it must be, like, why didn't we just immediately go down there if, if like, it's, like, level seven or whatever? I don't know. Either way, the main question here is that it is not in his office anymore, obviously, the stone. So, where is the stone? I don't know. I just, like, it made it sound like Nyla's rec room is a thing that, like, people went to. Because, like, even, like, she didn't, like, keep her alcohol out because the room was a secret. She had to keep it in the vents anyway. And also, you can go through the vents to the rotunda really quickly. So that means that it's definitely not, I think it's still on the same floor as the rotunda. Because you can just go through the vents to it. Because Maddie does it at the end of the series. Right, the, which is so. why I would assume that it was one of Cadigan's because his office was also right there. Oh, okay, so who moved the ball? Cadigan. He came back? Someone had to turn it off. This is never going to be explained. No. Either way, the ball is apparently 100 feet straight down. I don't know if it's like still in Cadigan's room, if that is what it is. Probably an extra or... 100 feet down now that, uh, now that yeah. the world blew up again. So Raven says that the helmets that they were given on Bardo are garbagey, which is why, so that they couldn't figure out how to get back. Um, Murphy wants to go back to Sanctum to grab some stuff and also bring some people back because they also deserve to be here. Um, and Clark decides to just destroy the helmet because we're all living here. And that's like, fine. Like, I don't, I, I prefer that to be honest. But like, if I was everybody else, I'd be like, and Murphy is really upset secretly. You know, he's like, I can't go against Clark in front of everybody, mm -hmm. but I can say secretly to Raven and Amori, this sucks. Yep. <laughs> I would certainly be upset if he's like, well, I have the opportunity to go over there and, you know, grab some bread and or food and everything and bring it back and then hang out here if you want. But instead, Clark's literally like, no, I'd rather live a difficult life with just you guys. Yep. Okay. <sighs> So we go to the MCAP with Shade Hedda and Kat again. Maddie drew a portrait of Callie. Um, and it's really cool because the MCAP thing kind of looks like a crown of thorns. Mm -hmm. I never noticed that before, but I think I think Selena's the one who tweeted that. When did he get these tattoos? Yeah. When did he have to, the time to get a tattoo? There's no way Russell had those tattoos. So, okay. Um, I still can't tell if his hair is like a feather or if it's dreadlocks. I still... Either way, it's bad. Like, either way, it's bad, but I still can't tell. Yeah. It, he's got these, like, restraints on his hands, and it really feels like we could probably just slip out of those, so I'm not really sure why mm -hmm. he's like, oh, no, I'm stuck. Um, so apparently, <laughs> apparently the disciples brought Shane Hedda back and completely healed him, so once again, what was the point of even doing any of the other stuff? Mm -hmm. um, Shane Hedda says that he didn't draw them, but he does know who did, and... Cadigan goes, you know what, we could go through MCAP with you, but I don't feel like it, so why don't you just tell me everything? That's we didn't shoot any Because we didn't shoot any footage for it. That's translation for, um, we were either 
too lazy to shoot this or we ran out of money yeah. and uh, we don't care. So we're just going to fast forward. <laughs> so Shadehead is like, listen, I just want to keep Sanctum and destroy the stone so you can never come back. And I just want to keep Sanctum. And Cadigan's like, okay, well, first of all, you can't destroy the stone because it's indestructible, but uh, sure, you can have, I don't want it. So I, sure. <laughs> I don't care. He's like, um, it doesn't matter either way. We're going to war. Yeah. And Shadehead's like, I don't even care about the war. And Cadigan's like, well, everyone's going to be a part of it. Because um, we're going to transcend and become one with a universal consciousness. So the City of Light. So we're joining the Borg. Like, <laughs> So we're just going to the City of Light. We are going to the City of Light. Kay. And like, we should have just gone to the City of Light then. Like, yeah. He's like, Ugh. he's like, we're all just meat sacks and we, our souls need to go on or whatever. And Shadehead says that he likes the meat sack he's in because it's new. And, and like, I'm like, it's new to you, but like, isn't it significantly older than your other one, though? But I'm sitting here like, also, JR is a good meat sack. Yeah. <laughs> That's a terrible thing to say, but like, props to JR for like, having fun with this mm-hmm. and also looking like that. Yeah. So he says, if we lose the last war, everyone dies. How do you know this? How do you know? I, like, it's you don't all know. assumptions. It's all assumptions because the peop- the original Bardoans were dead when you got there or you killed them. And, like, the light people, you just, you just, like, feel warm when you touch the light. You don't see anything of importance. So there's no reason to know either way. You're just making stuff up because it fits what you want to feel. And you kill the only person who could actually have told you what it is. <laughs> So, apparently this information is good enough to change Shadehead's mind, and he's willing to do their work now. (laughs) So he offers to get Maddie because he knows her better, uh, like, way better than any of the other disciples so they could bring through. And Katarina's like, okay, thanks. Sure. Thank you. Um, So then we get an... (laughs) And then we get the scene with Jackson and Miller in bed, which is like, fine. I'm not saying I don't ship Maxon. However, I have heard Suchin, I think at Unity Days, or maybe in our interview with him. If you guys want to check out the interview, you should. But I, he said that kissing Jared is fine because that's literally just a thing he does. He said that the acting part is weird because he's like has to look into his eyes all lovingly and like all this other stuff. So like knowing, knowing that Sachin and Jared are uncomfortable doing like the actual romantic mm-hmm. stuff makes me uncomfortable because yeah. I know that they don't like it. On top of me... I bring this up all the time. On top of me being ace and therefore I don't like watching Sex scenes, scenes like scenes in which people are like post-coital or pre-coital or any of that. I'm like, just skip it. <laughs> just tell me about it later. You know, I don't need to see this. Um, so like just uncomfortable on top of uncomfortable. Once again, not saying I don't ship Maxon. I think they're very cute. But I was uncomfortable this entire time because I know that Suchin and Jared are uncomfortable. I was like, this is something I complained about recently in my article, uh, about how the hundred waged a war on women. It's at up at Telltale TV if you want to read it. Um, we'll put a, a link in the description for this thank episode. You, Robin. Um, but it is something I was complaining about in the section where I talk about LGBTQ representation and how the show sort of like fetishizes the relationships between women because like they have shown multiple uh, sex scenes for Clark and like, but they haven't shown any sex scenes for. Um, Miller and Jackson, and it's all been, like, extremely chaste because, like, you can't fetishize a relationship between two men as much as you can. Are Miller and Jackson the only male, like, relationship on this show? Has there ever been 
another one between... Uh, oh, Brian. Yeah, Miller and Brian, but... But that's it, right? Yeah. Huh. I... And I think this is also a problem with the CW, because this has been a complaint that we do on our Riverdale podcast all the time. There's mm-hmm. constantly pre-coital and post-coital scenes between straight um, the straight couples. Constantly. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many. At least one per episode, I think. And every time I'm like, why are we doing this? They are teens. Right. Every single time I'm like, why are we doing this? <laughs> and then we have one with Shoni. So Cheryl and Tony are one of the only... Um, uh, lesbian relationships yep. on uh, on the show, and when they have a sex scene, it's like it's like I'm almost freaking in the middle of it. Like, right? What, what's like, going on here? Like, yeah. And it's so it's like a, it's a very specific thing that happens across several different TV shows where like relationships between men are just like okay, this is over here, and, like, it exists, you can have it, but we're not going to show you any of it. And then relationships between women are like, ooh, look at these sexy ladies kissing, because, like, (laughs) everything is designed to be marketed towards straight men. Mm -hmm. And straight men will, like, enjoy lesbian porn and, like, be grossed out by two men laying in bed together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, like, I'm glad that it happened, but it's also... Three episodes from the end, and they've been in a relationship for three seasons now. So, like, too little, too late. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I didn't mention on Riverdale like Kevin, who's in, who's like the main gay character, who's like constantly um, like being with other dudes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Kevin's never had like he's never had a real sex scene. Like no. they made out. He's made out with people. Well, he's like had. Scenes where, like, like after when he was with, um, in the like in the bunker, sure. that bunker with sure, with but that that is similar still to this scene. Literally, they're in, both in a bunker in, <laughs> <laughs> with candles. <laughs> <laughs> but they're like they're similar in that they're both just like these two men are just laying there like with their shirts off under the blanket and just like chilling. And which, I'm like, sorry, Miller's sitting there like. Like, he's he's frozen. <laughs> and, like, they're just chilling. And so, like, even even when these two men get a, like, a sex scene or something, it's still chased. Mm-hmm. So I'm still, I'm like, thank you for acknowledging that they do share a bed, but also, like... Right, and then Jackson implies, like, he implies that they've had other <laughs> escapades similar to this. Which, like, I mean, of course they would have, because yeah. their whole relationship existed in the bunker, but, like, I don't know. I I have weird feelings about it, because, like, I'm glad it happened, but I'm also, like, why? Right, and I'm like, I don't, personally, I don't even want it to be more explicit. I would just prefer if they were on the same footing of explicitness. And I just wish it had happened sooner. A year ago. Yeah. So yeah, Jackson implies that they did some stuff in a desert tent. <laughs> and Miller just doesn't even like he he feels sad that he can't officially forgive Bellamy, who forgave him for a lot of things, which is mm-hmm. nice. But then immediately flipping from Bellamy, we make it about Miller's dad, and like we love Dad Miller, but Bellamy just died. <laughs> also, like, he kind of says something that I feel was relevant to the scene that got cut in the episode where Bellamy is like, hi, I've joined a cult. Please, please come with me oh, right. to all of his friends. Because there was a promo pic from a 
Bellamy and Miller scene that just never happened. And, um... So now it's like, is that the scene that Miller's talking about? Like, I Right, guess. that's what I'm assuming, but, like, huh? But you cut it, <laughs> so we didn't see that. Um, so we go to Nihilus Rec Room. Uh, I, I kind of wish that we had gotten more, like, day-to-day stuff in season five, like, of what mm-hmm. happened in the bunker. Oh, for sure. I would have watched so much mm-hmm. bunker drama. Yeah. I, I, I wish that in, like, every... Everything about the... Like, everything about the um, time jump in season five, because I would love to see more day-to-day space mm-hmm. crew. Oh, um, yes. The only thing that we got was, like, close to day-to-day Maddie and Clark. And, but that was only for, like, one, one episode. <laughs> yeah. And, like, we get one episode with each of those groups, but, like, we don't get any, like, over time. Yeah. So Gabriel wants to play the piano, um, and Nyla said that there were too many rules when we lived here, and so I found my way around some of the rules. But you were Man, best friends with... Octavia. She like, was, like, supporting Octavia. She was, like, one of Octavia's, like, right-hand people, so. She, she explained to Clark that Octavia was the son. Like, yeah. What? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, then she says that she made some alcohol using Monty's recipe. And I'm like, I get it that you guys just wanted a, an excuse to have just be, like, playing drunk as Nyla, and yeah. I'm like, I support it, but also what? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and also, like, where did you get Monty's recipe? Exactly. Like, if, uh, if she had Monty's recipe, she would have had to get have gotten it from Miller or Octavia. Yeah. And, and they're the ones who are making the rules that are too yeah. strict. So, what? I thought, like, halfway through the episode, I thought there had to have been something wrong with the alcohol. Mm-hmm. I thought it was poisoned in some way or something, um, because it seemed like everybody was taking a swig of it. Yeah. At least everybody in the rec room. And so I was like, there's got to be something wrong with this because this is going to come back. And then it didn't. Um, and I realized while I was doing my notes um, that it, it kind of reminded me of the Joby Nuts. Whereas mm, yeah, uh, yeah, in yeah. season one, when everybody was eating the Joby Nuts and then it turned out something was wrong with them. They had, like, it's fire. So that kind of would have been a fun, like, parallel to bring in. But I understand that that wasn't the conflict of the episode. So, no. So Gabriel is tuning the piano. Echo is upset. And Gabriel's like, oh, I'll go with you. And she says, no. But he really wants to go with her anyway because, like, they have a really important bond. Um, and Nyla's like, no, no, give her some space or whatever. I really wish that she had let him go um, because this is the last time they talk ever. They spent five years together and the last thing, because Echo wasn't even there for his death, the last thing that Echo says to him is, don't follow me, leave me alone. Yeah. That sucks. Oh, God. Um, Aw. So Jordan just decides that he loves alcohol um, and, like, forces it on Hope, basically. He's like, my dad made this. I have to like it. Literally, Hope doesn't want anything. And he's like, my dad made it. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Nyla made it. Nyla made it. What are you talking about? Um, And so Hope tries it because, I don't know, she has a crush on on Jordan, I guess. Um, And she's like, this is terrible. And I relate to this because I also hate alcohol. Um... (laughs) So Clark and Maddie share a room, of course, um, and Maddie's really upset because she thinks there should be more people in this bunker. Um, Clark's like, I don't really want to argue with you. I'm, I, And you know what? Honestly, this moment kind of felt really true. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if Clark and Maddie are going to be a mother-daughter relationship, Maddie being like, Mom, I'm here to yell at you. And Clark being like, I'm tired. Uh, I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's fine. Like, we sure. can keep that. Um, so Maddie says that she keeps deciding for her and she keeps putting deaths on Maddie. And that kind of reminded me, like, it's kind of unlike Dioza, who didn't want Hope to be responsible for lots of deaths. Of, of, for lots of deaths. Mm-hmm. And even though Maddie's not the one who killed all those people, it feels like Clark keeps piling deaths on top of her. Not necessarily on purpose, but she keeps being like, I'm doing this to protect Maddie, I'm doing this to protect Maddie. And at some point, Maddie's gonna be like, you know, 
the ratio of people who are dead because of me and me is very off. Like maybe yeah. like if I were never here, if I were dead, then maybe all these people would be alive. Mm -hmm. And like, what makes me so special? And obviously Clark thinks she's special for X reason, Y reason, Z reason. But Maddie's like, and, but why, you know? Yeah. Which I understand. Yeah. That's like, I both, I understand Clark wanting to stay here. Mm -hmm. And it just be them. Because this is everyone that we, like, really care about. Yeah. Like, I would have enjoyed Picasso coming along. Mm -hmm. But, like, these are all the named characters that we have emotional investment in. Mm -hmm. They're all here. Yeah. And uh, no one's trying to kill them here. Mm -hmm. So, like, if that was my option, I would, I would stay too. Mm -hmm. But, like, you don't get to make that choice for everybody else. Because then you're just, like... A lot of the time when Clark makes a choice for someone else, it's, like, genuinely the only choice or everyone dies. Mm -hmm. Like, I get why she just, I get why she wants to make this choice. But it's just really garbagey for her to make it for everybody else because mm -hmm. this is not a situation where she has to make it for everybody else. Mm -hmm. She just does it anyway because she thinks that that's her role and that this is saving them. But it's not. This happens in uh, at the beginning of Lost as well. Like every time someone's like, "Jack, please tell us what to do." Jack, you're the you're a doctor. Please tell me what to do. Uh, we don't know what to do. And then Jack's like, "Okay, I made a decision." Everyone's like, "We don't like it." And Jack's like, "What do you want me to do?" You know. <laughs> right. um, so like I get that, but I'm but it was like a very big decision to make without yeah. even asking anybody how they felt about it. Mm -hmm. um, and if I could see it from Maddie's perspective, like Maddie had. Um, like, even when you're a kid, like, Maddie's age, you're still kind of, like, thinking about the future and everything, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, like, you know, she saw Luca. She clearly, like, had a connection with Luca, really liked Luca, and thought mm -hmm. maybe they, I don't know, there was a future for her with, with Luca, with Picasso and everything. Like, she mentions Luca yeah, by name. Yeah, she mentioned, like, she had friends. She's the only, like, like, to, to see it from her perspective, she thought she had a life and a future potentially on Sanctum, or at least, like, even if it wasn't Luca, she sure had options, you know? Rex was also there, you know? Like, like there were so many other kids for her to not only hang out with, but, like, she could also see a future with, because she's been worried about, she's always the she's, only kid, you yeah. know? And so I can see from her perspective being like, I have something here, and then coming here and being like, once again, I'm the only kid, I have no prospects, I have nothing, and even my dog is not here. Yeah. And, like, Maddie would be sad and feel awful and, like, just, like, I, I get it from Clark's perspective and I get it from Maddie's perspective and they're just, like, completely missing the point of each other mm -hmm. and, like, I feel like Clark is in the wrong here. Yeah. Which sucks because I hate having to say that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, she says, I didn't ask you to kill Bellamy to save me um, and that all of these people are Clark's friends and not hers and I'm like, hey, this reminds me of something. Did you also want to dance with Jordan? Because <laughs> if if everybody who you've heard stories about is not your friend, apparently that's something that you guys can relate to. Aww. Uh, the three of you. Do you remember at the beginning of, like, when Jordan first showed up at the end of season five, we thought maybe Jordan and Maddie could, like, hang out because they could relate to each other and everything. Mm -hmm. And they were like, no, we're going to have that exact same thing, except we need it to be ro romantic, so we need to bring in another girl <laughs> who's older and everything. And I'm like... Or you could have had a really lovely, like, pure like conversation friendship. and friendship between Jordan and Maddie in which they relate to each other and just are friends and mean a lot to each other, but we just never did that. And Maddie says that Clark ruined Maddie's life and her own life. So, yikes. 
that reminded me of, you know, just something that you say to hurt the people at mm-hmm. the very, very end of the argument. You just say something that's going to hurt them. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, for sure. So before we move on to continuing on, um, we just wanted to remind you that we have some other shows that we cover. We have four other shows that we cover. Um, Riverdale, Lost, Stranger Things, and Star Trek. Um, and I wholeheartedly re- recommend all of those shows and all of those podcasts. When I tell you I have the best time watching Riverdale, um, <laughs> I don't... Like, even if you just listen to the podcast, a lot of people do that, and you can. (laughs) I just, like, I also recommend watching the show, because I think it's ridiculous. It's, like, it's just so funny, and delightful, and surprising, and stupid. Yeah. And you just have a good time. Mm -hmm. So watch Riverdale. Yeah. And, uh, if I could also vouch for Lost. Um, uh, Oh, you? Yeah, me. What? I... It's a ensemble show just like this one. It's sci-fi just like this one. It's a survival show just like this one. Except it's good. Except the uh, most of the characters are adults, which um, if you're a fan of team adults, there you go. Um, they're like aren't there's like three kids, so um, it doesn't even really feel like it's just like not a teen show. You know what I mean? Like if if it was like adults, but there were also like a couple of teens, you'd be like, why isn't this about the teens? You know, but like they're all adults and um, they are so fleshed out and good that they like by the end of, I would say even the first season, they feel like your family. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're looking for an ensemble show with really incredible characters, really incredible world building and just really amazing writing, I recommend Lost. Our podcast is spoiler free, so you can definitely check that out. Um Stranger Things. You guys know. You guys know about Stranger Things. Obviously, it's a Netflix show, mm-hmm. and the '80s vibes are immaculate. And so good. Also has really, really good um, characters. Um, yeah. From in like such a large spectrum too, because unlike Lost, which is like all adults, which obviously yeah. has its place. Stranger Things, the main characters are all kids, teens, and adults, which it's is a, really fun. Which is a similar dichotomy to uh, what season one of the hundred was, mm-hmm. but it's you know it. Carries on throughout the entire show, and uh, no one gets left behind. And it has significantly less episodes, so if you're looking for something that's not as much of a commitment like Riverdale and um, Lost Lost are, which, because there are, oh god, how many episodes of Riverdale? Like, probably there, over 100. I think I think at least over 50, because I think we got to... Well, there's like 20 plus episodes every season. Well... Except for the first one. So, like... Yeah, we're like almost 100. Yeah, there's like 80 episodes. And there are uh, 120 hours of Lost. <laughs> so if you're not if you're looking for something that's not as much of a commitment, first of all, start those ones that just go slow, okay? Um, but Stranger Things only has a few episodes, so you can definitely check that out. And then lastly, and uh, if you're a fan of uh, sci-fi that is like that makes you feel good about life, watch Star Trek. We have a podcast on uh, season one of Star Trek Picard, and Brittany and I are both like big Star Trek fans, so we will be providing some more content on that feed in the future for uh, Voyager and TNG and Discovery and eventually Strange New Worlds and like all of the all of the other Star Trek shows that we love. I think that like Riverdale is our only weekly <laughs> podcast in 2021. Mm-hmm. So that should be really fun because everything else comes out really like um, instead of like having giant long hiatuses, Mm-hmm. You know, it'll be coming out periodically throughout the year, which is really, which should be fun. Yeah. And uh, less work, which I like. <laughs> and like, we get to uh, be in charge of when we do it. Yeah. Oh yeah, we don't have to be like, ugh, Thursdays. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, we can be like, how about Tuesday this week? Ah, Tuesday this week doesn't work. Okay, how about next Tuesday? That's fine. Love it. <laughs> okay, so going back into the um, episode, um, Raven gets the power on, and Imori says, that's my girl. What is all of this Imori Raven content in this episode? And like, why now? Why now? Like, I'm not saying I don't believe it. I absolutely believe it mm-hmm. because they spent six years together on the Ark and um, Imori was kind of like a Raven's protege and it was like really lovely and awesome. I'm just like surprised that like <laughs> something's happening right now, I guess, but uh, okay. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm not mad about it. Well, it's like they're trying to like shoehorn in that familiar familiarity. 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 Mm-hmm. That was, like, introduced when uh, they came back as Space Fam mm-hmm. in Season 5. But, like, they haven't spent any time together in two years. So they're just like, ah, yes. Hello, good friend. When You, you know how you greet your neighbor? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, just like, Robin is my friend. And every day I greet her with, that's my girl. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, Have you had a relationship with anybody ever? So Murphy wants Raven to fix the helmet, but it's really smashed. And so Raven's like, I'm not a miracle worker. And Amori goes, I beg to differ. Keep it in your pants, Amori. Like, your boyfriend <laughs> is right here. What is going on here? I was like, geez, it just keeps happening. I'm not mad. I can't say I'm mad about it. I'm just like, this is a lot of what it is. Like, it does have similar vibes to the way that they all talked to each other, like, on the ring and mm-hmm. at the beginning of season five. But they haven't done that in, a, in two years. Yeah. So, okay. So Murphy doesn't agree with Clark. Um, there are still members of Wan crew there and Allegis members who like deserve to come back to um, to Earth. And so Murphy says, when you let Hatch die, was that to save like just your friends or was that to save everybody? And and, Mor- and Raven's like, okay, fine, I'll try. I'm not really sure like what does that what does that even mean? Like when Murphy's like, oh, are you trying to just save your friends or you're just trying to save everybody? And if I was Raven, I'd be like, well, I'm trying to save my friends. And the fact that everybody else is being saved also is just, right. like, a nice perk. Yeah. So, like, what do you expect? And then and then she's like, all right, fine, I'll do it. Huh? And then, then they follow this with the weird line about Bellamy manipulating her on the ring. That messed me up. Yeah. I, I hate this whole conversation because, like, first of all, Murphy would have... Murphy was the first person who would just be trying to save his friends. Yeah, what are you talking about, you... Like, this coming from him doesn't make any sense. Like, what? So, Murphy... Yeah, Murphy says Bellamy manipulated Raven for six years. What the hell is this? What are you talking about? Murphy and Raven were friends. They were family. Yeah. We what end, is wrong with you? We end season who? four with Bellamy and Raven... Being, like, the mom and dad of the people on this stupid little ring. Like, they have, they implied at that point that they were going to take up co-leadership in Clark's honor. And that would imply, like, an equality and, like, a balanced relationship. And nothing after that says that that isn't exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. So, to shoehorn this in now is just, like... Let's just throw in another thing that was shitty about Bellamy because he's dead now and fuck that guy. That made me really upset. That was probably my least favorite part of the entire episode mm-hmm. um, was him saying that. And it's not Murphy's fault because I doubt Murphy thought that Bellamy was manipulating Raven. And in what no. world would Bellamy even be like, hey, Murphy, I was just manipulating Raven, you know? And, like, And here's how to do and it. And here's how I did it. Or like what? Like, it's, I don't. The, the writing is it, bad. That, that did not happen. I, 
No, that didn't happen. That's not how it was on the ring. Uh, we have our own head cannons that are better than this. Uh, <laughs> carry on. Yeah. So then he like he. It wasn't even like, hey, remember Bellamy? Remember how he manipulated Raven? It's literally like, ha, Bellamy manipulated Raven. Oh right. And I learned so much. I oh, forgot wait. that he He's died. Dead. He like he brought it up before even remembering that he was dead. And they're like, oh, we both really miss him. And they're like, yeah. That's the full scene of them mourning him. We both really miss that guy who manipulated our friend all the time and taught us how to do it too. Shut up! <laughs> no, you, like, I do believe that they miss him. I don't believe that this is how they get there. Shut up! <laughs> so, um, Octavia is outside. She's reciting some trig, and Lincoln taught her this. Um, and Indra, this is my favorite scene of the episode. Agreed. Um, Indra refuses to also not go back inside. And um, she says that they are only supposed to mourn after the war is over. And so they hope that the war is over. So Octavia is actually upset about Bellamy here, right? Like when she's crying. And then when she's talking about like mourning and stuff, they're talking about Bellamy, right? But then they just immediately switch the subject. Or or is she crying? Octavia is... I think that or Octavia is... because of the blood rain stuff. I think when Indra shows up, Octavia is mourning Bellamy. And then they shift into, why don't you come downstairs? And she's like, I don't want to. Yeah. So it's been days for Indra, but it's been like 10 years for Octavia. Um, and she still isn't okay with what happened in the bunker. Um, and Indra says, if it's your penance to sit here, then like I will also sit here or whatever. Um, and of course, she used the word penance, which was the planet that Octavia spent those 10 years on. Um, Indra says that she is equally guilty and that they were all blood reina. And I... What a great scene. Thank you. I love this scene. Right. This is great. <laughs> like, I, I think, like, finally, I, I wish that um, Abby, who has been blamed for a lot of these things, uh, could also have had that, like, some sort of conversation about how we were all blood Raina and it wasn't all your fault, Abby, but okay. But, uh, I she's, still, she's dead, so. Yeah, I still, I still really loved this, this scene and I think it was really important to have, um, I just wish that somebody else could have also heard it. Yep. I, I just, I wish, I think, I love this scene and I think it's super important. And I love that this conversation happens between Octavia and Indra, who like clearly had some friction in the last two years. I just wish Abby was granted the same, but, uh, she sure wasn't because her story ended when Kane's did and that's all that mattered for her. So speaking of Kane, oh, um, God. we go down to the bunker and Octavia has some trauma flashes, which kind of reads because Raven also had some trauma flashes mm -hmm. last episode, so I wonder who's next. Um, and we see a flash of Kane. No one ever talks about him. We still don't hear his name, but we get a picture of him. We get a we get a three second flash of that man in the ring. I I was so like taken aback by seeing him. I was shocked. Because I was like, like we've said previously, if someone just watched this season, I'm sorry. <laughs> but if you just watched the season, you'd be like, who that? Who is he? Why is he Why is he important? Even if you just watched season six, you'd be like, I don't remember him. He was in two episodes. Yeah. So. So, like, he doesn't get mentioned at all, mm -hmm. but you're going to use him to uh, express Octavia's trauma, even though Octavia's anger is what killed him. Like, he died. He died because Octavia intimidated him to death. You know? Yeah. So, um... There's no, no, and he also got a chunk bitten out of his neck. But yeah. well, yeah, but like he was on his way to recovery, yeah. and then dead. Yes. So like, 
There's no resolution between Kane and Octavia, who had, like, one of the major conflicts of season five, which is where this clip is from. And, um, so, so there's no resolution, and we just, we just get to watch Octavia make peace with the fact that nothing is ever gonna be okay again, yeah. I guess? Sure. So, in the bunker, Gaia tells Indra that she used to resent when Indra would, like, look at Octavia like that, or, like, treat Octavia special, because... You know, it's like Octavia is her daughter because Gaia- The daughter that she wanted. Yeah, because Gaia, like, apologizes for not being the warrior um, that Indra wanted her to be. And Indra says that she is also sorry and that Gaia is, like, her teacher. Like, she teaches her- I guess she just kind of says, you're my setup or my you're my seda, which means, like, you're my teacher. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of, like, she doesn't necessarily say it, but, like, it implies that, like, Gaia is not necessarily, like, like guiding better than her, her, but, like, yeah. But, like, guiding her towards, like, a And, like, teaches path. her better, like, to be yeah. better and everything. So that was lovely as well. I really liked mm-hmm. Scenes with Indra being our favorite? No one saw this coming. What? So the anomaly opens, and Octavia's like, why would they open it without anybody coming through? Octavia, you spent three <laughs> months being in that suit. You're, you spent three months being in ghost mode. I'm like, like, you literally on. trained in the suit. Like, okay. Indra knows because of, like, the scene from last episode mm-hmm. and everything. But, like, Octavia, what? <laughs> also, like, can I just say, they could have solved this instantly. Yeah. Indra is standing here with a machine gun. <laughs> And she sees two other people in the room. And they they all know each other very well. They could have signaled to each other to, like, get down on the ground while Indra shoots in a circle. And then, bam, Shadehead is dead. Like, stop wasting my time! (laughs) So... And, like, if you are gonna waste my time, give me a reason. Because, like... Me at Riverdale. Riverdale wastes my time constantly, but I have a good time doing it. Exactly. Like... If you're gonna waste my time, stop letting me figure out how to do it better. Yeah. So Indra, like, won't leave Gaia, so Octavia's gonna go and warn Clark. Why? What makes them think that Shade Hedda or whoever the disciple is would just, like, stay just, there like, and, out like, in the and like, wait to fight Gaia and Indra? Like, Gaia and Indra are what? Like, just, like, standing there going, <gasps> for, like, 25 minutes that we, like, <laughs> like, that we don't see them for? Like, of course he's gonna follow you. I don't whatever. So Maddie goes to the rec room and Jordan and Hope are dancing to Gabriel playing the piano. Octavia comes to Clark and so Clark and Octavia go running looking for Maddie. Hope starts to feel bad for feeling happy for a second so she like runs away and Gabriel tells Jordan to follow him, follow her so that they can like make up or whatever. I love Gabriel so much. He's like such a romantic, you know, like his romance has come and gone so Mm -hmm. he's just like, he's trying to get everybody else together. He's like playing the piano and he's like watching them dance and he's like, this is so cute. I love it. And, and like, he spent five years with Hope and he's just like, I'm so happy that she's happy. And, um, I'm sad. I am sad. And, um, so he's like, oh, go, like, go Jordan, go find her. And he's like, oh, oh. I love, like, Gabriel's such a romantic and I love that about he him. He is. So Nyla is like super, super drunk. Um, and she's just it's like, funny. yeah, she just like leaves, uh, to go and talk to Echo. And um, Maddie's like, oh, can you play something else? And Gabriel offers to teach Maddie how to play the piano. And he's very, very sweet with her. And we met Chuku at Unity Days this year. Mm-hmm. He is so nice. When I tell you guys, he is such a really, just like the most lovely person. Mm-hmm. And like he, I, I was going to use the word revealed, but I think, I don't think he ever was like trying to hide it or anything, but we learned, I guess, at Unity Days that um, that he's a dad. He like, yeah. when he was shooting this, 
season or season six, I think it was. He had like a newborn right. baby. Oh yeah. And uh, so he like almost. I think he said that he almost couldn't be in season six because he had a, like the because because he was like home all the time with the baby. Yeah. So knowing that Chuku is a father and like watching the scene with Maddie, I was like, I'm a, uh, I'm a lose it. I'm a lose it a little over here. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Uh, but y'all he, mind if I cry? Like all of the good things that Gabriel is is so encapsulated by Chuku. He does such a good job, and I think so that's re- him. I think that the reason that Gabriel, Gabriel is, is so, so good is, is because of Chuku. It's the reason why he's so likable, and I, I don't know if Gabriel would have stuck around uh, in this season if he if it wasn't for Chuku. I don't know if he would have been a sympathetic character if it wasn't for Chuku. Oh, that's because, true. Like, yeah, all, like, there's a lot of things that he's done that he that are not good, and mm-hmm. he regrets them, which is good. Um, but he also, like, works towards being better, which is why mm-hmm. he's so likable. Yep. So Nyla comes to Echo, and she makes fun of Echo for still being awake after she said she was tired. <laughs> Girl, go to um, sleep. And she reveals to Nyla that her name is Ash, and she says that she never told Bellamy, and she says that the only time that she ever told someone was to save her life. I don't remember this. It was in, uh, it was in season six last year uh-huh. when... Uh, Riker has her tied up and he's, like, revealing that she's a Nightblood or, like, turns her into a Nightblood or something uh-huh. because they're... No, they turn her into a Nightblood. Uh, Riker turns her into Nightblood because that's who they're gonna use for Simone. Yes. And then Russell just changes his mind and puts her in Abby. So, uh, Ash is fine. But why did she reveal her name? Do you remember? She's trying to, like, get him to sympathize with her. Oh, okay. Because she's been- I totally forgot this. She's, like, trying to get him to sympathize with her because she's been in the position that he's put in by, Mm -hmm. like- the primes or whatever because queen naya did the same thing to her mm-hmm. and she's like be better than i was right and I'm like, okay. okay whatever so nyla says like some actually pretty helpful things and she says like like echo wanted to reveal um who she was to bellamy so that like he would know like the real her and everything and nyla says that he could see the real her or else he wouldn't have stayed with her for such a long time it's, it's very nice and then nyla reveals that she was named for queen naya because her mom was as Geta. First of all, what is up with her parents' love story? I'm kind of interested yeah. in that. Second of all, why are we saying this right now? I get that the point of it is so that Nyla can have a reason to relate to Echo. Mm-hmm. Because they're supposed to be from opposite clans and, like, hate each other or whatever. There's no like, way we knew about this. Like, the writers knew about this until this episode. Yeah, they just make stuff up to make them relate to each other and, like, give this scene more depth than, hey, I'm sorry your boyfriend's dead. Because that would give... Nyla some more nuance when, to be honest, she's, like, a pretty one-dimensional character. Mm-hmm. And, like, it just would have been nice to have that ahead of time so that, like, I don't know, Jess could have brought some of that into her acting performance or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a weird thing to bring up three episodes before it's over for not really much of a reason. Um, and then she says that they lived in the woods to hide her, like, Asgeta stars, scars. And I'm like... Okay, so we were like, she's Asgeta, and then they were like, okay, how can we make it make sense that they lived in the woods, even if she's Asgeta and not Tree Crew, or whatever? We lived at the edge of the woods, and I'm like, it's all woods. Yeah. No, that- It's tree! It's tree! You can't even define where the edge of the woods is. Like, that doesn't- whatever. Yeah. So we're almost to the end of the episode, but before we move on, we're going to talk to you about Patreon. So Patreon is a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. We have a Patreon. Qua. I'm just- they ran a trading post. <laughs> There's a lot of people coming in there. It's, it's highly trafficked because it's for trading. <sighs> oh, God. <laughs> okay, anyway, 
Patreon. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados. Um, and it only it starts at $1 a month, which is like nothing. And you get early access to all of our podcasts. Like um, this episode uh, and the rest of this season is going to go up like at least a day in advance. And all of our um, other podcasts go up like a week in advance. So um, it's always like super worth it, I think. And also recently um, Patreon sent me an email and they were like, Hey, we heard that one third of Patreon sponsors um, would rather pay annually. So would you like to do that? And I was like, sure. So you can now pay annually if you want to. So instead of paying $1 a month, you can just pay $12 and you're a member for um, year. for a whole year. Um, and it's also like 10% off also. So if you wanted to do a $5 thing, you pay $54 and you get 10% off at shoppylux.com, which is the thing that you get at the $5 tier. For like a whole year mm -hmm. and the early access stuff. So if you want to pay annually, you get 10% off um, of your whole thing. And so, I don't know, I a couple of people have already done it. So if, if you think that's worth it, feel free to do so. And also every November, we send out a postcard to all of our Patreon sponsors. And this year we met a milestone. So we're going to be sending out some really fancy and cool stickers um, to all of our patrons. So you guys are probably going to want to be a patron by at least November um, because those stickers are going to be dope. I'm really excited about them. I am too. Yeah. Uh, like I said before about shoppylux.com, that's where me and Brittany sell some art. Brittany sells resin art. It's gorgeous. Um, and I sell fandom embroidery. I have nine the hundred designs out. Um, my Kane and Abby designs have come out since last episode. So if you want to go and check them out, you can. The links are in the description. And if you help us out with $5 on Patreon, you get 10% off of all of your orders. All of them. It's great. And, uh, but if you can't help us out, totally okay. Next best thing, recommend us to a friend. That is like super, super helpful. I know that I'm more likely to listen to something if someone that I know knows me recommends it. You don't, and it doesn't yeah. even have to just be this podcast, any of the podcasts. We have five, did you hear? <laughs> Cool. So let's, uh, let's finish this up. Yeah. Um, so Murphy asks what's taking so long and his two girlfriends give him dirty looks, which is adorable. Yep. Um, and Raven's like, um, Hero Murphy is freaking me out. And Amori's like, yeah, but it's really hot. Stop. Stop. It's nice that she thinks he's sexy or whatever, but every single time she's like, ooh, I like this new you or whatever. It invalidates like how much she was attracted to him in the early seasons, which was like, oh, they're good times. Oh. Season four, Memory was so mm -hmm. quality, and it's because both of them were terrible people. Yeah. That's why it was fun, yeah. you know? That's why it was good. And so the fact that Murphy's like, I'm a nice guy now, and Amori's like, ooh, I'm like, what? And, like, I would also buy them both having, like, evolved as people, yeah. and they're good people now, and she still finds that attractive in him, but it... It's heavy-handed now, because They've done it, like, every episode. episode. Like, it happens over and over, and I'm like... Okay, we, we get, get it. it. They're dating. <laughs> we get it. Okay, uh, stop. stop. I don't like it. Get rid of it. We're done. It's over. Get Thank away. you. And Murphy's like, hey, I heard you call me a hero, and I'm not a hero. I just think that people deserve better sometimes. I hear, okay, so I've talked, a I don't want to be a broken record because I talk about this a lot, um, about how I think Murphy is a little out of character, not even a little, like he's pretty out of character this season and um, not out of character like some other characters are being out of character. You know, it's kind of, it's slight with him, but it just feels like it was like a snap, you know, it was too, it was too fast. It was abrupt. It was too fast for it to have been like actual character development. There was like no time jump in between like when this happened to him some suddenly. And my problem is that 
I think that what they're doing is um, they're trying to fix him in the last bit. They're like, he's, I want to say that they think he's unlikable. He's obviously not. He's your comedic timing. He's your, he's your humor. Like, you know, mm-hmm. he's the heart of the humor of this show. So, they, but they feel like, I think that they feel like they need to fix him. They need, yeah. him, they need him to be a hero. They need him to be a good guy. He, but they, he never needed to be fixed. He didn't need to be fixed. He was, he was a good character the way that he was. He was complex. You know, not everybody has to be a hero to be an interesting, good character. Our, our friend Charlie on Twitter mm-hmm. um, said, like, they were like, I'm sorry. Like, Murphy was my favorite character in season one when he, like, forced a 12-year-old off of a cliff, you know? Like, he was still <laughs> my favorite character then. He's been my favorite character this entire time. We don't need to change him for me to like him. Right. I always liked him, even when he was literally horrible. Yeah, and, like, the people who didn't like him before aren't going to like him now just because he's like, hey, we should save people, maybe. Like, yeah. the, you're, you're just, you're just making everybody mad. So he goes to comfort Hope because he can hear her crying. Um, and I think this would be, it was already, it was nice. Mm-hmm. But I think this would be so sweet if we hadn't been doing this all season. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if we just, like, dropped in little bits of Murphy being, like, so sweet and nice, like, later this episode when he calls everybody his friends, and, like, last episode when, um, when he, like, went in to, like, comfort Raven after, like, the scene with Nikki and everything, and this scene, like, if we hadn't been getting, like, Murphy is maternal, Murphy is nice, Murphy's a hero now, and he came in and, like, helped Hope and was like, how are you doing? Hi, like, my name's John, I'm just trying to help you, you know? I, oh, you heard stories about me? I, I'm good in stories. Hey, Jordan thought I was cool, isn't that nice? I would, I would, I promise you, I would have bawled my eyes out (laughs) if that were to happen, like, if we hadn't been doing this all season. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I really feel like if they just, like, dropped in little pieces of Murphy being just, like, the sweetest little guy, I would, like, lose it. And he would already be, like, more likable just by putting in these tiny things in which which he just, like, instead of caring about everybody, which obviously is, like, great, do care about people, but that's just not who Murphy is, you know? Like, he needs to be selfish, but, like, you've You've opened up his circle, you know, and his circle is getting bigger and bigger, which is lovely, but his circle got too big too quickly. Yep. And so if we just like kept opening it up a little and he just kept opening up and becoming like a better person slowly, it would have been so much better. Also, if you're trying to tell me that the like snap moment that made him become a better person and like do all of these things throughout the whole season is Abby dying, then you need to carry that through the whole season. Like, it needs to be a thing that he, like, consistently goes through and, like, brings up and, like, talks about, like, the afterlife and stuff and, like, the things he that happened to him in season six and, like, losing... Like, if it's Abby, you have to, like, have it continue to be losing Abby. Yeah. So I don't... If that's what you're telling me it is, I don't believe you because you didn't put in the work. Mm-hmm. So we've now had a triad of people who like hear stories about Murphy and then eventually meet Murphy. And so she's like, oh yeah, I've heard about you. And he's like, well, I tend to play well in stories, which is true mm-hmm. because Jordan, he was Jordan's favorite and mm-hmm. Maddie thought that he was supposed to be funny and everything. And she's like, yeah, not really in these ones. And Murphy's like, mm, you know what? <laughs> that's fair. It's like, All right. um, that's okay. I, yeah, I've been there. It's okay. <laughs> um... Yeah, if this had been out of the blue, I would have lost it. I would have been a puddle on the floor if this had sure. been just, like, out of the blue. No one expected this from him. But also, like, can I just say, how many how many stories would Octavia have of him? Not that many, probably. Oh, I guess maybe from Echo? But even then, like, oh, yeah, maybe, they were part of a family, so... Yeah, okay. Whatever. I, I'm really hoping that instead of, like, making Murphy more... And he can't even really... 
Like Murphy, they're like Murphy is parental. He's mater. He's paternal. All these things. I keep liking that you say maternal because I feel like Richard would approve. Yeah. Um. But like. They keep doing that, and so, like, him going up to Hope and, like, acting like, hey, little girl, I hope you're okay, is, like, if I was Hope, I'd be like, this is a little condescending, sir, we are similar ages, um, and it also makes me think that Hope's a child again, and so you're bringing yeah. her in with, like, Jordan and everything, and, like, Murphy being like, hi, I'm significantly, not necessarily, like, older than you, but, more like, mature. more mature than you, because you guys have been, like, you guys were babies when I was already remember, this age, or whatever. how you're a little baby, and you hear stories about people, I'm like, but- why are we talking about babies? And um, it's like, uh... So I'm hoping that the only reason they brought him into the scene was just to make the joke about how Jordan thought he was cool, <laughs> yeah. and then take him out. Yeah. So he's like, I was Jordan's favorite because Monty said, and Jordan like doesn't answer it. He's like, no, but Monty said, right? So, so <laughs> I'm, so I'm pretty cool. Um, so it's like, he's like, I'm the cool dad. I'm the cool dad. <laughs> so Jordan's like, hey, sorry if I made you uncomfortable. I don't really understand social cues. And Hope's like, same. Like I said last episode, Delilah like just died for him. Like, wasn't it? Didn't Delilah die like a week ago? At most. And I don't really think, like, Jordan and Delilah's relationship was really unhealthy. I asked at Unity Days, like, what, since it wasn't really, like, explained why Jordan was so, like, drawn to Delilah. And Shannon had said, like, she was the first person who really, like, showed him. Well, it was the first person who looked at him without seeing Monty. Yeah. Which is, like, great, but, like... The first person? Like, you just pick the first person. It, like, I'm glad it worked it, out for you because, like, she was also very pretty and nice. And it was also just a, a situation where the the plot fast-forwarded through yeah. anything that mattered because of plot reasons. Because, like, if it had been, like, drawn out and they had, like, actually begun to build a relationship, then I would have gotten it. But, like... It's like they have one night together and then she's body snatched and then mm-hmm. then he spends the rest of the season like fanatically trying to get yeah. her back in a way that is just like too intense for what just happened. So it kind of felt like his relationship with her was like kind of unhealthy. And so the way that they're kind of doing it and making me think this is that like Jordan is Hope's Delilah, you know? He's the first person who's looking at her without seeing Dioza or like just looking at her in a different way. Like it's like he's her only choice. And that doesn't really feel romantic to me. Also, like, why do we need to put either of them in a romantic relationship three episodes before the finale? I think that on its own, it's very sweet. Sure. But, like, looking at all of the things that kind of went into it, I'm like, mm, I just, I don't, okay. I don't like it because it's, you're just shoving more heterosexual nonsense into my face. <laughs> and I am, I'm more concerned about the fact that the show was ending in three episodes and we're all dying. And this kind of reminded me of, like, one of the points that we were making last episode, and I think Katie even mentioned also in her email, that, like, why does, like, the female character and Jordan, kind of, like, have to be in a relationship to be happy? You know? Why do we have to pair everybody up? Like, we pair everybody up except for Raven, because that just hasn't worked out in the past. Well, every time you pair Raven up, they're like, well, let's just kill her boyfriend. Yeah. I don't, so I'm just not really, I just didn't really feel necessary to me. It's very cute. It was cute for what it was, but I didn't think it was necessary, like especially fine. now. It's fine, and if you want to ship it, then, like, please write 10,000 words of fanfic and have a great time, and I support yeah. you. But I think the show is stupid for doing this. <laughs> so she says that she did have fun dancing with him, but she felt, like, guilty for having fun because her mom, like, literally just died. And Jordan's like, okay, well, it does get better. Like, my parents are have been dead to me for a month, so... <laughs> So it gets better or whatever. And also, like, 
outside of this, I think it, your, your parents want you to be happy. You know, like I understand feeling guilty for being happy right after her mom died, but like Dioza wants you to be happy. Yeah. So it's okay if you are. So she's like, let's dance here with no music or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, so Gabriel can get murdered in the other room. And Clark says to Murphy that she wants to find the stone now and that Murphy was right. And she legit tells Murphy he was right, like to his face, which is pretty cool. Uh, I'm sure he's really pleased about that. Mm -hmm. um, so Gabriel gets stabbed uh, and I am deeply sad. I literally was like, oh God. Brittany was like, oh, they're gonna kill Gabriel. And I was like, oh God, please don't kill Gabriel. I really like Gabriel, and, um... Yep, and then as soon as it happened, it happened. Yeah. Before even they had, like, the scene where they give him the Traveler's Blessing, and they, like, have this, like, beautiful, like, moment with him, I was already crying. And I was like, yeah. why am I crying over Gabriel dying? I didn't cry over, at, I mean, at least at the time, I didn't cry over Bellamy dying. Yeah. Why? Like, I'm it's mad at myself. I don't... But you shouldn't be, because it's not your fault, because it's the way that both the, of the deaths were done. Like... First of all, I do think that Gabriel's death is, like, excessive because they stab him and we're like, oh, God, he's dead. And then he comes back and, like, still fights Shadehead off and, like, gets Maddie free. And Which then he gets great. stabbed six more times. Yeah, it's like, stab, 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 stab. And I'm like, and I'm like okay, wow, why would you give me hope then? And then just, like, brutally stab him over and over. And then, like, and then he dies a third time because when the people show up, he's still breathing. And, like, it's... His final final death of these three is, like, really good and really emotional, and he gets to be surrounded by people who care about him, and he gets the Traveler's Blessing, which, like, he wouldn't understand what it means, but... Everyone else is like, fine. this is nice, and he's like, okay, well, I'm gonna say my thing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, like, it's really emotional, so, like, they put the work into this death that they just didn't do for Bellamy, because Bellamy is alone... He gets shot by the one person in that room that cares about him. And she just leaves him there to bleed out on the floor while, like, for no reason. So do you think, karma-wise, if is Gabriel getting punished for destroying the flame? Not even necessarily, like, by the writers or anything, but, like, I don't know, karma-wise? Like, it feels like that's the last thing that he did, was destroy the flame. Well, I think that this is what he wanted anyway. To Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because he's been alive for 200 plus years. Yeah. And he has so many regrets. He just wants to be free. Something similar happens in the final season of Lost in, like, pretty, like, maybe the third last episode as well. Um, but there's an, like, immortal-type character who gets murdered finally and mm -hmm. is like, thanks. Yeah. Phew. You know? It's over. So. And um, it's, like, it's a really beautiful death because he's, like, he's grateful to finally be able to pass on. Mm -hmm. And not, and know that no one's going to bring him back. Mm-hmm. So he gets stabbed and Maddie tries to get away. She gets attacked by Shade Hedda. Can we stop with this man, uh, like, hurting this little girl, please? Like, I want to say that I'm sure that JR is, like, very conscientious of, like, the fact that Lola is a child mm -hmm. when they're, like, having to film this and, like, shoot these scenes and stuff. But JR is very nice. He's so polite and very lovely. Extremely lovely. Um, and I, I have a hard time convincing myself that that man would ever hurt fly. Yeah. So, like, I feel like the actors both feel very safe and that JR is, like, conscious of, like, treating, making sure that Lola feels safe in yes. these situations. But the writers- Why is being write it, written? The, like, exactly. Like, why do the writers keep writing this grown man? Like, even if, even if the mind inside his head is of a teenager. Yeah. This is a grown man- Throwing a child around mm -hmm. and, like, violently hurting her 
over and over and over for two seasons. Mm -hmm. Stop. I, it's the, it's the role of the director to also make sure that everybody is feeling really safe. So I'm sure that Jessica did like a really lovely job. I think it's a, I think Jessica did a great job, especially in the parts where they just had her uh, being attacked by a ghost. Yeah. So. (laughs) Yeah. I, um, you know, I've, I've been in scenes that are similar to that. I've been in like a scene, it was theater, so it was different. Um, but I, it was a sexual assault scene and, um, luckily it was kind of a, it was more, um, thematic than explicit, which was nice. But I remember like my friend who I was doing the, the scene with. Mm-hmm. Every single time, like we finished the scene and the director would be like, Hey, how you feel about it? He'd be like, bad. He's like, I feel bad. Yeah. I had a bad time and I feel bad. Yeah. And I had to always like give him a hug afterwards and be like, I'm okay. You're okay. Everybody's okay. We both know and understand what's going on. I'm fine. I feel safe with you. I know who you are. It's okay. Yeah. And it's going to be okay. And that's important. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that they did that work. Yeah. I'm sure that Lola and JR and uh, Jess all like took very much took care of with this scene. Mm -hmm. But I'm tired of seeing it. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just, it's been two seasons and it's like always gratuitous when it's these two. And I'm just like, she's little, stop. I remember in season, season three, they wanted to show us Antari having cut off Aiden's head. You couldn't show a child getting beheaded at nine o'clock on a, on a, on the CW. And I feel like with this, and like they said at the time that that's what they wanted to do. So they implied it in the scene. And then now they're just going as far as they can without having him like slice her up or like assault her. But like, it's it's still assault, even if it's not sexual. Like he's assaulting her. Yeah. However, Maddie tries to get through the vent, but then gets pulled back. And that was a very cool shot. I oh, thought the shot for was cool. sure. Um, All of the ghost mode fighting is great. Yeah. So he basically explains to her that he can give her the pills or he can stab her like Octavia. But then he's like, my third option is me just full on killing you. And I'm like, okay, so are you, I don't understand. Like, is that a way to get her back to Bardo? Cause she needs to be alive. So did you like, just want to get here to kill her and go back on your word to Cadigan? Like, I didn't really understand that line, but, um, so Gabriel saves her and he gets stabbed like a whole bunch more times. Then they run to the rotunda, Gaia and Indra fight Shade Hedda, and Indra finally is actually gonna kill him, but he stabs himself with the knife and leaves. Yep. Like, this is, this feels like getting jerked around all of the time with no satisfaction, and I'm just like, just, just pull the trigger, piglet. Just stop it. Get it over with. Now I have to deal with this man in the finale? Like, I love seeing JR's face, but come on. But it's it's partially blocked, so it's yeah, not even worth it. I know, I can't even see half of it. You got this dumbass eye patch on him. So, yeah, he left her, and he but he did tell her about both of the options, and he left the options there, and he said before that he knew her better than she knows herself, so he knows that she's going to take one of the options that she's going to show up, and she does. Um, so they're trying to get out of the room that Shade had locked them in, and the window won't break, but then... She, Clark's like, it's not going to happen, Murphy. And then it breaks in. Clark is wrong and Murphy is right again this episode, which I love. <laughs> um, and he said, all in a day's work, my friends. Who is my that? My friends! <laughs> this would be so nice if this was just like small little, little hints of like nice things, you yeah. know? But he's like, 
I don't know that man. He's way too positive. Who is they're this? They're like they're like Monty died. So we need possessed... Murphy to be the new yeah. one. Monty died, and it took a while for his ghost to catch up. But he just came and like possessed uh, possessed Murphy. Yeah. So they go and they see Gabriel. Hope is obviously really upset. Um, Joanna. Uh, on Twitter was pointing out that Hope has known six people in her life. Mm-hmm. Octavia, Dioza, Dev, Echo. Orlando. Orlando and Gabriel. Mm-hmm. And four out of six of them are dead. Yike. So, okay. That sucks. Gabriel did save Maddie though, so thank you. And Brittany was pointing out that this should be flipped. Yeah, she said someone on Twitter had mentioned that if you swapped Bellamy and Gabriel's storylines for the majority of the season, it would have, like, made more sense and had the impact that Bellamy's death should have had. And I think that's probably right. So, like, Gabriel gets yoinked, then gets sent to Etheria. However, Mm -hmm. if it was Gabriel, we probably wouldn't have a whole... Etheria episode because Gabriel just isn't one of the main characters as much. I mean, he definitely, he got um, promoted this season. Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know that it works because why would they keep Bellamy on to work on the stone? Yeah. I mean, they would have to... Or when they like some stuff be sure. rifling through his memories for yeah. several episodes instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, Gabriel goes to Etheria... He has a whole thing. He comes back and he becomes one of the things. Then, like, fine. You know, I'd still be sad because I really, I didn't, well, the reason why I liked Gabriel was because of this season, I feel like. So I probably wouldn't care as much if that happened to Gabriel. And then, you know, Clark killed Gabriel. We'd be like, oh, no, Gabriel, you know. And then, but, okay, so Bellamy comes and he spends five years with Echo and Hope. Sure. Okay. Then they get there and then they, you know, um, you know, he's there for a long time, but he and Octavia are like together and he's like maybe part of the reason why, like, I don't know. They would have to like shuffle around a bunch of things or whatever. But if Bellamy came back here with everybody and he saved Maddie's life in this way, Cause he like, would have finally made up for like putting the flame in her. Mm-hmm. And he would get the Traveler's Blessing and everybody would be there. Like you, like you said, he'd be surrounded by people that he loves. And mm-hmm. and everyone would be like genuinely heartbroken that it happened. Yeah. And like, but none of them could have stopped it because they were all like thwarted by the enemy. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. So they're going to use Shade Hedda's helmet, but it's damaged. Um, Jackson shows up and he's like, oh my God, someone tell me what happened. He got stabbed, Eric. He got stabbed. Also, can I just say... Clark's mom was a doctor. Yeah. In all of season one, Clark did the doctoring for the hundred. Like, mm-hmm. she was the one who, like, stitched up bones and, or, like, set bones and, like, stitched, stitched up, up bones. <laughs> Shut up. And who, like, who, like, fixed wounds for these people. So she knows how to do it. So I'm sitting here yelling at the TV. I'm like, Clark, do, do something. something. He's literally bleeding out of seven stab wounds from protecting your child. Stop standing there like a fish. <laughs> like a fish. Like she's, she's standing there with her mouth open, like gaping are, like a fish. We are not a codfish. Yeah. So, but he says, no, don't treat me. I want to be, I don't want to be saved. I'm like ready to go. And Maddie's like, um, I don't want everybody to go to war for me. And Clark's like, well, we're gonna if everybody is mad at you. And then Murphy's like, yeah, we're definitely gonna go to war. Shut up. Yeah, stop it. Shut up. No. Murphy, Murphy's like, I'm totally gonna go to war for this random child. No. No. Murphy is the king of, like, trying to avoid war at all costs. No. Because, like, then he won't die. That was so annoying. I was like, I was like, can we have, like, Miller or Jackson say that? Murphy would never do that. 
So Maddie's gonna take one of the pills, but Clark steals it from her. Um, they give Gabriel the Traveler's Blessing and he dies. And at this point, I'm just like bawling my eyes out. And I'm also like, why am I crying for Gabriel when I should be crying for Bellamy? Maddie takes the vents to the rotunda and she stabs herself with the special knife and she goes to Bardo. So both Gabriel and Bellamy have died for nothing. Mm-hmm. I think it's funny that um, Maddie even knows where these vents go. Yeah, right. She never got a chance to go in them. Yeah. So they the the anomaly opens up from Bardo, I assume, but I, I guess we don't technically know where it came from. And a yeah. bomb gets sent in. If it is coming from Bardo, the um the ratio between Sanctum and Bardo, and I assume the same Bardo versus Earth because Sanctum and Earth mm-hmm. are the same, um, is about one to six. So Maddie's been gone before this happens. Maddie's been gone for let's say thirty seconds. Maybe less. Do we see her leave? Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's, say, let's say 30 seconds just for the for the purposes of now. That means she was only on Bardo for three minutes before this bomb gets sent through. Because, like, you could be like, oh, well, it moves faster. So so it makes sense that... So why would they... But why would they have a bomb ready? I, like, in, I don't in know. In three minutes. I, like, yeah. if you're telling me the, the time difference... You gave me the rules for yeah. this time difference. So if you're telling me that the time difference is only three minutes, you're saying that they had a bomb ready... And we're just waiting for Maddie to show up. And they were just sitting there right, waiting to press, like, countdown 10, yeet. Because, like, I think it's probably less than 30 seconds. I think it's, like, 10 seconds. And that means that they're only one minute. Like, Maddie's only been on Bardo for one minute. So so that's what you're telling me. Like, Cadigan and whoever else were sitting in the the stone room waiting for her to show up. Like, and I wonder, just holding a bomb in their lap. I wonder if they, like, were waiting for Shade Heddock to come back or something. Like, I'm, when Shade like I'm sure, back? Like, I'm sure they would have been waiting for him to come back anyway because, like, that's their plan. Yeah. And then, I guess, once Shade Hedda's back without her, but then Maddie shows up, what, 20 minutes later on Bardo? Yeah. Like, um, 20 minutes later, which means, like, no, two, I meant two on, hours? I meant on Bardo. Oh, okay. Like, it had maybe been, like, 10 minutes between them, I feel like. On Earth? Yeah. Yeah, so that's only an hour. Yeah. So there could have, there could have, like, something could have happened in the hour where in which Shade Hedda comes back and it's like, Maddie's definitely going to follow me and it should be soon, so get ready to, like, just blow up literally everybody else because you don't need anybody. Yeah. So, like, that kind of makes sense now that we're thinking about it, potentially, that, like, Shade Hedda got back and was like, as soon as Maddie gets here, kill everybody else. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's what that would have been Cadigan's plan anyway because these people are the people that are, are like, messing up his main goal yeah. so far in the season. And once he has the one that he needs, he's just going to be like, okay, I'm not dealing with these people anymore. Yeah. And like sends a bomb. Like mm-hmm. I get the, I get the reason that it happens, but like I shouldn't have to do this much mental <laughs> gymnastics. Yeah. Maybe it'll be explained at the beginning of next episode. <laughs> I don't know. Funny. <laughs> so, um, th- this really just feels like a, okay, we need a conflict for next episode. What do you think? Well, uh, we could, um, we could trap them down there. Oh, okay. Well, how are we going to do that? We've done that before. Yeah, how? how? Bomb? Okay, how are we going to get the bomb to them? Stone? Sure. Like, they're, they're literally like, we need, we need something, we want this to collapse. Okay. We need to make it harder for them to follow everyone else. Everything so, happens so conveniently. So instead of, uh, them just having to, like, find the mystery stone and still have to fix the helmet because they haven't done either of those things yet. They have to find the mystery stone while being trapped again because Miller threw a bomb out their only exit, which is shouldn't even be their only exit because there was a hole in the roof. Oh, yeah. Okay, so this... Which is how they got out the first time. This room... That room... 
couldn't get out that room in the first place. But now you're telling me that because they threw a bomb out, the whole structure has begun to collapse again. Just let me out. Let me out. Let me go live with those respawned birds on the top side and just be fine. Okay, so this actually segues perfectly into um, one of the last things that we have, um, which is Miller grabbing the bomb and throwing it away, basically. First of all, wow, what a great mo- great moment for Miller. Yeah. Uh, great moment for Miller. Um, I appreciated that. However, uh, in the like third or fourth last episode of Lost, they kill three main characters at once. And that's why I'm like terrified. <laughs> and one of the ways that one of these characters dies is that they are on a submarine and there is a bomb on the submarine and they have no way to get rid of the bomb. And so one of the characters grabs the bomb and just runs with it and um, saves everybody else by blowing up themselves. So they die grabbing the bomb, sacrificing themselves for everyone. And even though the sub starts to go down, at least most people can get out of the sub and they're not dead, right? Mm -hmm. And so the fact that they gave us a bomb and then they had Miller grab it and start running with it, I was like, oh my God. If you kill Miller by him running off with the bomb and just exploding himself with the bomb, you have fully stolen that. And I think that it was supposed to be an homage mm-hmm. because there's no way that it can't that's an iconic death like you can't whatever anyway I, as soon as i was like oh my god they are not doing this and like i'm glad that miller isn't dead um but i really thought they were gonna do that for a second yeah for sure i uh i was in shock as it happened and i didn't think that they could possibly kill miller because like if the hundred kills another gay person, like, and, that, and that's another, just like shooting yourself in the face, and another man of color, yeah, in, like that, that would such be four, rapid succession. That would be four men of color in three episodes. Yeah, no, 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 no. no. So like, I'm glad Miller doesn't die, but I was like, what, what, huh? Yeah. And then he shuts it in there, and it explodes, and like the structure begins to collapse, and Murphy and Amori are like crushed. Question mark? Which, like, also reminded me of the, um, like, that same death on Lost. Like, three different characters die in that mm-hmm. in that submarine explosion, you know? Yeah. And the other, I don't know how, how much I can say, but the other two are, like, kind of similar to Maud, Murphy and Amori. Uh-huh. So, I, I was like, is that what we're doing here? But And, like, it also was very, like, a Game of Thrones, because they have uh, Cersei and Jaime or whatever, like, die via being crushed by a bunch of bricks. Right. And I'm just like, is this really how we're doing this? Is that how you're doing that? But, like, luckily they're in the they're trailer, in the trailer for next week, fine. so, like, they're fine. It's just Well, they're not fine, but... <laughs> it's just strange. This very last moment is, like, so surreal because, like, we see, you know, all of the things, all of the, like, uh, uh, furniture, like, shaking and stuff, and you're like, okay, there's some sort of earthquake going on or, like, the, it's collapsing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Amori goes out into the hallway, and she's at the end of the hallway, and Murphy comes up and, like, starts being like, hey, are you okay? Like, what's going on or whatever? I genuinely thought something was wrong with her. I know. She's, like, like it looked staring... Like- it looked horror movie ass. Yeah. She's like staring at a wall. She's like staring at the wall and she looks so enraptured by this thing that she's looking at. And he's like, hello, what the hell is wrong with you? And she goes, and I quote, quiet, listen. And then it collapses. And I'm like, what the heck was that? Also, I just want to say, I just realized while we're doing this that um, we've already done the lover Lover yeah. trapped in a collapse. It happened situation. with Cabby. It happened with Cabby in season two, and it was great. That was my favorite episode of this show. It's still my favorite episode of this show. And like, uh, uh, what? 
have an original idea that you didn't either steal from someone else or yourself. Like, yeah. oh my god. I'm just like so, um, I'm, I'm like taken by this moment of Amori's. I don't, like, I'm it's just really, weird. I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. Like, I, I hope that it's not just like glossed over later, but like watching the scene, like I know sh- it's meant to indicate to us that like she can hear the structure like rumbling and right. like something bad like, has happened above. What are you looking above. at? But like, like a cry in the wall? Why do they have her stand at the end of the hall like a twin from The Shining? Mm-hmm. Uh, why is it so creepy? Like, uh, why'd y'all do this? Mm-hmm. I, Jess, was this your idea? I'm freaked out. Anyway, okay, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> you guys, we're almost free. <laughs> we're almost done. We only have two more. We only have to do this two more times. It's almost over. Um, and we always talk for way longer than I want to. I'm so I, sorry, Robin. I, I know that you guys who are listening to this are like, oh, great. I love hearing them complain for such a long time about a thing that I don't like, which I do. I, I enjoy complaining about it, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> I've just, I've been sitting here for quite a while. Um, so let's move on to segments. My first segment is the post-apocalyptic Sasquatch, which is our favorite line award. Um, and mine goes to, obviously, Murphy for... That's it. I'm out of here. Where's the funky ball with the green light? <laughs> You know what? There's my guy. That's yeah. my guy. And like the fact that he says it because he can't have a hot shower here. Yeah. Same. We love it. And I wanted to give an honorable mention to Echo and Gabriel for I'm tired. We'll go with you. No. I'm gonna. <laughs> they really I I know that we didn't get like a lot of it. Like we got really like small touches of it, but like the relationship between Echo and Gabriel is like there. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and like it reminded me of it reminded me of like the early half of this season when we still had like an ounce of hope. Yeah, yeah, that was nice. Mm-hmm. And my favorite line award goes to Octavia and Indra for. You weren't my only teacher. No. Just the best. And then uh, I just I thought it was a really soft moment, and I think this is the best moment in the episode. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, then my honorable mention goes to Clark, Indra, and Jackson for. Where are we? The second dawn bunker, otherwise known as hell. Um, because um, I love I thought, Sassy Jackson. Sassy Jackson is great, and I thought Sachin just delivered that line like really well, yeah. and like put he, he expressed all of the negative feelings Jackson would have about being back here in that one line, and he yeah. did it really well. Mm-hmm. And um, my other segment is. Did anyone mention Kane or Abby? And um, they sure didn't, but they showed a picture of Kane's face, Weird. which I did not consent to. Weird. Like, there have been rumors that Abby is going to be back for the finale. Um, and, like, I both do and don't want it, but seeing Kane's face just, like, thrown in there while still no one mentions his name or, like, mourns so the fact that to he died. Him. Like, no one's mourning the fact that he died. And, like... I just, it was really weird and abrupt, and it, I didn't consent to it, and I felt attacked. <laughs> My next segment is the Most Valuable Protagonist Award, um, and I'm gonna give it to Gabriel. Aw. Um, yeah. He, he saved he, Maddie's life, and... He deserves it. He's a really good guy, and I'm gonna miss him for as long as I can possibly miss him for the next two, <laughs> two episodes. Yeah. And my other segment is, what is Sam shipping the most this episode? That goes to Amorian Raven. I lied! I was like, if you don't say it, I will. What no. the heck? What was going on over there? Like, I, I'm i always here for some uh, for some sapphic content as a, as a bisexual person myself. And I just, they're just, it, they were hugging and like touching and like, 
Amori was, like, hitting on Raven, like, pretty clearly. <laughs> it's so ridiculous because Amori's like, Raven, Raven, Raven. Raven's like, huh? <laughs> like, right. And it's just like, I, Murphy and Amori are both gay. We should just accept mm-hmm. that and admit it and move on with our lives. I feel like, in my opinion, this show should have ended with Klexa, Murphy, and then whatever Amori Raven is. Yeah. <laughs> Ramori? Ramori. Do you want to hear Mercy me? No. Okay. No. <laughs> it's because we said click. Oh, I did see. I did say that, didn't I? Bonk. She's like, <laughs> what does Murphy mean? <laughs> She's on the left side. I can't. <laughs> okay. Uh, how many episodes is the last murder? Bonk. Time for our trailer reaction. <laughs> I like that bonk is just our number now, and it's just bonk. People have been murdered every time. We give up, and every time we say that for the rest of this season series, it's gonna be it's gonna be zero. It's gonna be someone got murdered. Everyone's getting murdered. This episode is called "The Dying of the Light." Um, closing in. Clark and Octavia mount a des- desperate rescue mission as the disciples close in on what they want. Chukumoto also stars. Get out of here. Bob Morley also stars. Get out of here. I don't believe you. <sighs> yeah, okay. All right, here we go. Three, two, one, play. I'm doing this to save my friends. So we get MCAP with Maddie. I thought they weren't your friends. And then... War is a failure of every... That's Jonathan from Riverdale! Okay. Why? Why? Uh, it seems like more of an episode that is um, actually, like, things happen things rather than happen. just conversations happen, so that's nice. Um, all right, here we go. So, Maddie, obviously, in the MCAP. I'm trying to talk quieter because I moved the mic closer to me than I thought <laughs> moved it to you. So that's why I'm like, this is the, this is the... This is a balanced uh, conversation that we're having right now. Um, so, obviously, Cadigan is here because it's really important for him to know all these things. And she's saving her friends, even though this episode, she told Clark that they were Clark's friends and not hers. <laughs> um, someone's getting burned? It's, it's, uh, oh. Murphy is trying to seal, uh, Amori's wounds uh-huh. from the, from the crash. Yeah. And I'm like, I've seen this before with my other OTP, um, that I shipped, no offense, more than this. Mm-hmm. I will, I will take it though. As a crumb for me specifically, if Murphy knows how to save her life because he spent five minutes with Abby being a doctor. I think that this is going to be a good episode for Louisa. I I was worried all season they were going to kill Amori and they might do it here. I don't know. However, in this shot, it does look like he put his jacket down as a pillow for her, Mm. which I think is really sweet. And, you know, obviously he's really messed up about it. He has black blood because he's a night blood now. Oh, right. Um, I was like, why are they so dirty? (laughs) Um, obviously this is a really hard time for him because he loves Amori. Mm-hmm. So this is... It's Octavia saying goodbye to Hope, I'm assuming. Because Hope is... I, I, I bet that Hope is stabbing her to send her to Bardo again. No, they have the... They oh. have the pills still. Oh, okay, never mind. I was so like... I imagine I was she like, took one and, like, hugged her. Right, okay. But so that, would, that would be a good parallel, but they didn't think of that. They gave <laughs> oh. us the magic pills. So Hope and then also Jordan is in the background. Um, Octavia and Clark are talking about the war. One last war is what she says. Octavia's She's, like, I can do one more. Like, yeah, that's fine. we've had enough. Then we have all the disciples here. Some of them are, are they... wearing helmets, but others are not. This is Jonathan. What from planet Riverdale. are we on? Uh, I don't know. Because it's not Bardo. 
So were they coming to Earth? We all came back to Earth. Are we all going to Penance? This doesn't look like Penance. What planet are we on? Penance has like a blue filter on, I think, but um Like I will be happier if we are in back on Earth because like I want to end the show on Earth and if we don't end the in the show on Earth, I I think that's extremely stupid. Yeah. But it's not below um the standard of the season to Mm -hmm. not end it on Earth. So um sure. Where are we though? I think I now finally understand why Jonathan got murdered on Riverdale because he's back again. <laughs> um, and you know what? It's great because they are bringing him back from earlier this season. Mm-hmm. So continuity, continuity between the disciples. And this is probably like where he and Richard became friends potentially, because mm. we know that Alex Barima, who plays Jonathan on Riverdale and also this guy, is friends with Richard, so um, you know he certainly didn't have any scenes with Richard on Riverdale. Pre- previous, well, on Riverdale <laughs> or, or like earlier this season. Um, however, they could also just be friends from being in like the acting circles in Vancouver. I don't know, but either way, um, I'm hoping that maybe they get to hang out together in the way that like Lee got to hang out with Richard as well. <laughs> Jordan is once again preaching his weird preachy war. War sucks and you all suck. And if you participate in war, then you're a terrible person. Sure. Whatever. Here's my new girlfriend, Hope, who actively kills people. Mm -hmm. Oh, it does look like the hole is still in the roof because that's the only light source it seems. Okay. And Hope's just lying on the ground because she's bored. Same. Um, The anomaly opens and Maddie says, I can't keep doing this. We see a bunch of- Or does Clark say, I can't keep doing this? I thought it was Maddie because they show Maddie after this. Oh, it could be Clark, I guess. I can't tell. It sounds like Eliza to me. Um, Okay. And so we see a bunch of disciples on Bardo and um, Maddie and MCAP. We see... Oh, is that Levitt? Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Um, And we get to see Clark in season five, Mm -hmm. I guess. That's season five when she's like, hi, I'm home for supper. Like, let's have fish. Um, In the MCAP, obviously. Then this is someone else blooping out of existence. It's Clark. Clark and Gaia. And Gaia, so... Uh, okay, sure. Um, they're like, hey, we're gonna give a pill, and the person who you're opposite is a person with blonde, short hair. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it is Clark, because we get a shot of her later saying, yeah, not again, um, what are the disciples- can't keep doing this, not again. Okay, what is the disciple saying? I have no idea idea what they're saying. Um, this is Clark- The portal's open? Oh, yeah, maybe. Maybe. One more time. Uh, Drop your weapon. Oh, drop your weapon. Okay. Um, And then this is Octavia and Clark coming through the anomaly. And it looks like it's Earth. It has to be Earth. Like, it looks like... It looks like either Earth or Penance, but I don't know why it would be Penance. And like, if, or maybe Etheria, but like, why? If they go on Penance, they're gonna be like. But like, if they're coming through the anomaly, Earth, that doesn't well, I, make any sense because they're on Earth. Well, we don't know how they go through after they've taken the pill. Like, maybe the pill also opens the anomaly to get them to places, you know? So they could have like. Right, but like, why would it? Why would they jump to Earth? If they could just walk outside. Right. True. More disciples shooting through the hallway. And that looks like that looks like Bardo to that me. That looks like Bardo as well. We're spending a, um, Bardo and Earth, I think, this next episode. So, um, okay. <laughs> sure. Well, um, since we started talking, the sun has gone down. Uh, I want to die. Uh, <laughs> and here we are. But you know what? We're so close to being finished. Let's get this done, you guys. And then let's let's be happy again. Yeah, I I would love that. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Please, if you're so inclined, write us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We would really appreciate it. And um, other than that, uh, maybe recommend this to a friend. Like, take a second and uh, figure out which of our podcasts your friend would like and then send it to them. That would be cool. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that show too. We love it so much. We've covered every episode that exists. Uh, It's got two more seasons 
coming. They just started season five uh, production. I'm so and, excited. Uh, and we just, we really have a lot of fun on that, on that feed. And uh, you can listen along whether you watch the show or not and have a great time with us. <laughs> I'm like so conflicted between like, you guys shouldn't be shooting Riverdale. It's not safe. And being like, eee, they're shooting Riverdale. Yay. <laughs> if you're a fan of Lost, we'd like to talk about that show too. We are just starting season three. Um, it's spoiler free. Like I said, I'm thrilled. I love season three. And we also have guests over there. So there's, um, there's lots to do. It's our longest podcasts. So definitely check that out. If you're a fan of Star Trek, we like to talk about that show too. Uh, like I said earlier, uh, Brittany and I have a whole uh, season one podcast for Star Trek Picard, and we have a round table with some of our Trekkie friends. And um, it's just, it's super fun. And Robin is there as a newcomer. So if you're new to Star Trek, uh, I ask all the stupid questions. We have something for you too. Um, if you're a fan of Stranger Things, we like to talk about that show too. Um, we are taking up all of 2020 to talk about season two because we've already talked about season one. We're almost done season two, and all of 2020. 21 is going to be taken up by season three. Hopefully we'll have some season four by then. Woo! Uh, you can follow the aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, and YouTube, mostly on Twitter, but Robin does make gifts of our favorite line awards. So if you want to go check those out and just like give her some support because she puts in so much work. I really um, do. And they're great. Uh, our Patreon is patreon.com slash the aficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because it's expensive. And like I said, we are now doing annual memberships. So if you want 10% off of a full year, um, feel free to do so. Uh, like $12. It's like, it's like $11 for, uh, just for having early access for like a whole year. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think $54 other instead of 60. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like $54 instead of 60 to have a whole year of a $5 one, which also gets you 10% off at shopulux.com for a whole year. I bet you can definitely save $54 through that for sure. <laughs> um, but like we said, if you can't donate, recommend us to a friend. I've said it before. Um, and check out shopulux.com even if you uh, aren't on our Patreon because that's how you can help us while also getting something really cool. Yeah. And I also have more more than just the 100 fandom. If the 100 has burned you, I got lots of stuff. I got Star Trek stuff. I got Riverdale stuff. I got mm-hmm. Stranger Things stuff. What do you want? <laughs> I got customs open. G- give me a... Just hit me up. She's got Chaos. She's got Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Like, she's got Marvel. Girl, you want it. She's got it. I got so much Marvel. <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Sam Casey's. That's S-A-M-C-A-S-E-Y-S. And you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y. Uh, pretty much everywhere, um, but also at Hybridy, which is um, where all my embroidery stuff lives. That's H-I-B-Y-R-D-I. She can spell. <laughs> our next episode is episode 715. It's the Dying of the Light. It's literally the penultimate episode. Um, thank God. I'm finished. I'm done. You know, I'm pushing my plate away. I say, thank you. I'm full. I've had enough. Uh, let me rest. Yeah. And they're like, no, here's dessert. <laughs> stuff it into my face. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye.